Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Makes the catch, double clutches, and throws a lawn dart toward first. And a line drive sack fly for Jordan Walker makes it a one-run game. Ground ball, deep short. Mason kept it on the infield and wisely held on. He saved a run with that. He lays it down with two strikes. How about that? A two-strike sacrifice by Palacios. And look at the Cardinal bench. Felt like it was our best shot there in order to give Goldie or Eddie a chance there. And Palacios did his job. He stuck his nose in there and got it down, so very nice job. Swing, drive down the left field line. Let's go home. Cardinals win it. Oh, what a beautiful night at Bush Stadium as the Cardinals get back on the winning side of things here in St. Louis alongside Alex Ferrario and T-Bone, who was live at Bush Stadium yesterday in attendance as we saw the bunt heard round the world. T-Bone, we got to open up the show with your thoughts on this because that was, if I could put together the fever dream for Tanner Hendrickson when it comes to a baseball game, that was it yesterday. You saw Casey Lawrence go out there and give you some strong uh, work from not, the bullpen. You saw fever dream. Richie Palacios laying down a bunt with two strikes left on left against Josh Hader. And then Tommy Edmond comes through with the game winning uh, RBI off of the bench. What'd you think, man? Oh, I, it's the most exciting play in baseball, the bunt. And everybody's just sleeping on it. It was great. It was small. I loved it. It was it was smart, small ball baseball. And I remember when he went up to the plate, I told my dad, who I went to the game with, I went. Were you I, were you scoring the game yesterday? I did not. Oh. Uh, mostly because I probably did not. I thought that I would have been not, one you should have kept. Yeah, it would. I would have framed it probably because I could say I saw Ali Marmol pull off a bunt with his players, and Richard Palacios did it. But. No, I was not scoring. I figured I would not want to remember that game because I didn't see them winning when I went to the game. Um, but I, I loved it. I loved the small ball. I loved the fact that they decided. I thought Ali Marmol managed that last inning perfectly, by the way. Say a louder for the people in the back. He managed it perfectly, text line. Perfect. People were drooling because they were excited when Palacio squared around for that first attempt on the bunt. They got excited in the second inning or whenever it was, third inning, when he tried and Walker was, you know, a little too far off the back, but I loved it. 
Can oh. I be honest? It was boring. You suck. <laughs> Just wanted to see if I got him angry People with that one. People were chanting for the pitchers to be hitting again. I think you were hearing those voices oh, in your head again. No, I think they you were, were hearing those voices in your heads. No, they were. They, they were. We want the pitchers. You were hearing we bunt, 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 and they were saying, "Don't, don't, don't, no, don't." No. I loved it. I thought it was great. I totally agree with T-Bone. Yeah, bring I back NL baseball. Some big cojones by Ollie Marmol in that inning. I thought he managed it perfectly. Love the fact that you... I think you had a big decision there with Richie Palacios coming up. You either bunt there, which is tough, lefty on lefty, or you bring in Tommy Edmond in that spot, so that way, if you're going, if they go to Goldie, chances are they're probably walking him there to be able to get to Nolan Gorman left on left. And then you just take your chances with Nolan Gorman. It's basically a decision of Palacios versus Gorman. Who would you rather have hit? But them bunting in that spot allows you to go to Tommy Edmond over Nolan Gorman. Man, I was going to be fascinated by the conversation that we were going to have today if that didn't go the way that it ended up. Because it was absolutely the correct call. It was the right call to go to Tommy Edmond in that spot, given what they needed. You got to drive that run in. I don't know how it would have gone over with the fan base if it didn't work out, but it did, and all's well that ends well. Uh, I thought I thought Ollie managed the game really, really well last night. I thought he got exactly what he needed out of Zach Thompson. He didn't have his best stuff. He was laboring. I saw some questions about taking him out after four innings, 91 pitches. Thought it was the right call. Go to Casey Lawrence in that spot. Casey Lawrence wasn't great. He wasn't, but he was fine. He kept you in the game, did what you needed, ate the innings. And then you finish it out with two strong innings by Jojo Romero, who guys don't look now, but he's been the best reliever in all of baseball for about a month now. And I love what we are seeing from this guy. He has worked his way into, in my opinion, the high leverage spots next year. In his last 15 innings, he has 22 strikeouts and one walk. One walk, dude. This guy's been amazing. So last night was exactly what you needed to see out of the Cardinals. And Ollie Marmol, yes, Ollie Marmol deserves a lot of credit for them coming back and back and winning that game. I just appreciate the fact is after what we talked about yesterday of this team being defeated and I'd like to see a little bit more fight in this team. I appreciated that style of game because that was the fight we were talking about. Like, sure, you probably had no business trying to stay in that game against the Padres because you were down by a ton. But Wilson Contreras comes through multiple times for you to put you back into the game. And then the manager says, OK, bleep this. We're winning this one. And they did that bunt to move the runner over to put them in. In that winning position that was a we are going to win this game and that's a team that's not defeated so i appreciate that the other factor that i enjoyed with this maybe not so much the bunt tanner because that oh, was boring no, no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what i appreciated was you saw the speed and play there for that cardinals team last night especially in the base paths you had mason win uh utilize his speed multiple times you lay down that bump because you have speed on the base paths that's something that i thought they were going to have this season and it was not there for them so hopefully they're moving towards that so 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line from the 314. Guys, you do realize that the Cardinals are in the, the bottom five, bottom 10 in Major League Baseball and successful sack bunts this they year, are. right? I thought they were a playoff team. Can I can I give you guys the, the bottom six teams in successful bunts this year? Yeah. T-Bone, you tell me what your thoughts are on this list. All of these teams have five or fewer successful bunts on the season. That's just bad managing. The Atlanta Braves, they have two. Well, okay, their lineup. I, can yeah, I was going to say, it. they don't need to bunt because they smash. Who's the Milwaukee Brewers, they have three. That's just, the council's better than that. The Dodgers, three. That's, well, they're kind of old. The Blue Jays, four. The Mariners, four. They got the great Tampa pitching. Bay Rays, five. 
those are the the teams with the fewest successful bunts so far on the season. Maybe there's just not a whole lot of importance being placed on successful bunts around Major League Baseball. Right or wrong, these are a lot of successful teams that seem to have the same strategy as the Cardinals. They're going the nowhere Car- in the postseason. The, the thing about the successful bunts, by the way, when you do it, you got to do it well. And that is one thing that you have to give the credit for the Cardinals. When they attempt to do it, it typically works. They're one of the most successful on a rate basis teams in Major League Baseball at getting the the bunts down. 75% of the time they attempt to bunt, it ends up being successful. So credit to them for that. Last night, you get the sack bunt, move the runner over, you drive them in. The Cardinals also had some other plays that need to be pointed out in that game. Most specifically, the Mason Wynn play at shortstop. I thought there were two points to that play that ended up being really important. One, getting to it. That's the athleticism we've heard about. T-Bone, you were in attendance and it just hits a little different when you see it live. Did you think he was going to get to that ball, first of all? I I thought he might, but I thought it was going to be one of those that probably squeaked through. Now, what I really thought was when he fielded the ball that he was going to throw a missile that got past the first baseman. That was my initial thought was, oh, wow, he got there. And then it was like, well, wait, don't throw the ball. <laughs> and thankfully, so, he did not. So that was the second part to the play. He made the smart decision there, man. So often you see a young guy feeling like this is my time to make a play, right? But Mason Wynn didn't do that. The game didn't speed up on him. Instead, he made the smart choice, eat it, save the run, and move on to the next batter. Cardinals get out of the inning. He ends up saving a run there. I don't think the Cardinals win that game last night, if not for that specific play. And Kerry Davis talked about that a little bit earlier today on the opening drive. Here's what he had to say about that play and what it represents from the Cardinals lately. We talked about the Mason Wynn play, saving a run. Jordan Walker made a great throw Mm -hmm. to third a couple of nights ago, which eventually saved a run. Um, Those are are winning plays as well. Allow guys to do their job. Put the people in the right position. Let them grow in that position. I will give credit to the Cardinals. More specifically, I will give credit to Richie Palacios, to Tommy Edmond last night, to Mason Wynn, and to Jordan Walker defensively lately. Oh, okay. He kind of got thrown out a second base. Defensively lately. They've made winning plays. And that's what you got to start racking up. Next year, it's got to lead to the actual wins. You need to put it all together. You need to have the pitching. The offense certainly needs to have more nights like last night and less of what it was the previous 12 games. But if you're able to do that, you put together manufactured runs. You keep the slug baby slug mentality on top of the manufacturing runs. And you make winning plays defensively. Got to clean the space running up. That's something that needs to get better. And stop sliding head first into first base. Why? Stop it. Well, Wilson, no more. Mason, no more. Walker, no more. Scientifically, you're more likely to reach base safe no. if you slide no. it with your hands than opposite. your feet. No, you, you are supposed no, you to don't. run through the bag not because if you, you slow down. If... Superman dive. Less aerodynamic. Alex. Superman dive. It's not true. It's yes, a it myth. Is. And you're if they a keep myth. doing it, I, I thought for sure Mason was going to bust up his hand last night when he did that. No, he's for got sure. gloves on. Oh, no, I think you're at the batting. Never mind. <laughs> On, man. He should bat with those gloves on now. <laughs> hey, also, we didn't even say his name. Shout out Wilson Contreras for learning from his mistake in the first inning where he fielded that one ball and threw oh, it geez. and it went away. Shout but, out to Wilson Contreras for actually helping you no, win no, the game. No. But there was a moment later in that game. I can't remember exactly when it happened, but there was a dribbler out in front of home plate, and I went, oh, my God, he's going to do it again. And he didn't. He ate it, just like Mason Wynn did. So shout you out. You know what he ate? Two balls now, over the He had to touch the wall. stove to learn, but he learned. Yeah. 
Learn from your mistakes. That's all we're asking for. And the Cardinals seem to be doing some of that. Jordan Walker's getting a little better in right field, man. If he can be average for you defensively in right field, do you know how much that makes up for defensively compared to where they were this year? He's got the arm for it. He just takes the right routes. You're talking about a dude who's going to be winning you games because of that. And Mason Wynn, we've seen some winning plays from him defensively. Yesterday, I thought it was interesting. Ollie Marmel said pregame. Hey, that guy can hit 125 for us forever, and he's going to be a plus player based on what he does for us defensively. Yeah. It's similar to what you used to hear about uh, from TLR about Yachty. That guy could hit zero, and he's still in the lineup every day because of what he does for us behind the plate. I don't know if Mason Wynn is that important defensively, but important nonetheless. Keep these things going. Find out a little bit more about your team down the stretch. That's the value of getting these young guys those reps. So credit to some of them yesterday. Fun game to watch. Fun game to watch. If we can get By some more way, fun games to watch bunch. down the stretch, that'd no, be no. Who'd have just hit there? He, he said, <laughs> I've got to quote him correctly here. He said, you know, without that play-by-win, I don't think the Cardinals win that game. They would have been rallied by that bunt. Like, what are you talking about? No. That bunt got them fired up Bunts don't for rally the victory. The, the lineup is out. The morning show stole our thunder, so we will not be playing the lineup game. The lineup for the Cardinals leading off today for the Cardinals against the Padres in the final game of this series. Tommy Edmond in center field. Batting second, playing first is Paul Goldschmidt. Batting third at DH is Wilson Contreras. Cleanup is Nolan Arenado. He'll be playing his usual third base. Jordan Walker moving up in the lineup. He's batting fifth today in right field, and it is because Andrew Kisner is batting sixth as your catcher. Taylor Motter is starting today at second base, batting seventh. Richie Palacios getting the start today in left field. And Mason Wynn is batting ninth with the double leadoff spot shortstop for you as well. Scheduled day off for Tyler O'Neill, I would imagine. Uh, every day is a scheduled day off for Tyler sure. O'Neill moving forward. They played 10 last night, those knees. Oh, mm. yeah, Ooh, especially on that type of grass. Yeah, Oof. soft and luscious. Would not be able to handle that again. He is 0 for 7 in the last two games. Is that how you describe grass, soft yeah. and luscious? Especially at Bush. I wouldn't mind if we didn't see Tyler O'Neill start another I have heard that way. that Bush grass, grass is luscious. Yeah. That's what people say. Coming up in 15 minutes, we're getting into some NFL quick hitters, including a breakdown of our fantasy draft. I've got a few synopsis to read about some teams in our league. One of them in particular. Whoo, buddy. Feel bad for whoever drafted this team. We'll get to that coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But next, there was some news that came out yesterday that legitimately shocked me in Major League Baseball. And I think it could have a significant effect on the 2024 Cardinals. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Bringing in Steelito, even though they're a last place team, I think it, it, it makes sense. Spend money, make money. It makes sense to get him in the uniform, show him the culture, show him that we're really interested in you. Uh, he hasn't been, you know, knocking everyone down. He hasn't been striking everybody out as a member of the Angels, but he's still got premier stuff. So that was Greg Amsinger earlier today on the morning show. If you missed it, there was some big news yesterday, Alex. Legitimately shocking news, honestly, that the Angels are basically placing every player on their team on waivers. Now, that's not entirely true. It's just the potential free agents for this upcoming offseason. the good ones. And the question is, why would they do this? Well, they would do this because they want to get under the luxury tax. They stink. They're no good. Yesterday, there was a piece on fan graphs that said, hey, if you added prime Barry Bonds to the current L.A. Angels, they would have a 3% chance 
to make the postseason. Not mm-hmm. what you're looking for. Yeah, Prime Barry Bonds would be nice, though. So. He would be. They've got Mike Trout. They've got Shohei Otani. Obviously, both of them have some injuries of their own to deal with right now. But if you added, once again, another top five player in the history of the game, you- they would still have a 3% chance. How do you think Artie Moreno read that? Imagine reading that and going... Oh, man. That's why all of these players are on waivers. We do suck. (laughs) Yeah, that's why they're on waivers right now. So if you're not familiar with why this is happening, how it's happening, what it all means, here's basically what took place yesterday. So September 1st is the deadline for teams to add other players to their roster to be eligible for the postseason. So if you're added at that point in time, you can be a part of that team's playoff roster. It takes two days for waivers to process. So yesterday was the final date for teams to be able to place a player on waivers, for other teams to be able to claim them as playoff teams to put them onto their playoff roster. So if you're somebody that wanted, hey, we got to clear some money, we want a roster spot for somebody, one of our young guys to come up, that's why you would do this right now. For the Angels specifically, they may lose Shohei Otani this offseason. And if they're under the luxury tax, Alex, they would then get a better draft pick and compensation when he leaves. So that's part of why they would do something like this right now. They're also cheap and they want to get the money off the book. So that's the honest explanation as to why they're doing this right now. A draft pick, huh? Exactly. So that's where things stand right now when it comes to the waiver wire. There are players on the waivers right now that legitimately could help the Cardinals either for this year or beyond. More importantly, for beyond. The guy that I want to specifically mention here is Lucas Giolito. Giolito is somebody that we talked about over the last year or so as a potential answer for the Cardinals pitching problems. He was a a piece that we talked about last year at the deadline. We've talked about him as a free agent acquisition this offseason, and now he's available for nothing but money. Alex, I think there's two perspectives on this. One, it's definitely worth putting the waiver claim on him. Two, you shouldn't do this because it would not help you in the offseason. Let me give you the bullish case on why the Cardinals should place a waiver claim for Lucas Giolito. You will never have a better opportunity to find out information on a free agent than you do right now with Lucas Giolito. This is one of the top pitching play, pitching pitchers that could be available this offseason for you. If the Cardinals have legitimate interest in him, and I don't know if they do or not. He's got a 7 ERA since coming over to the Angels. He's really struggled there. But if they do have interest in bringing him in this offseason, Alex, you can get medical information on him right now. You can get personal information on him right now. How's he fit in our clubhouse? How's he fit with our coaching staff? You can also get, hey, we think if we tweak X, Y, and Z with his delivery, with his pitch usage, whatever, we think he can be a better pitcher for us than he has been elsewhere. We think because of the way that our ballpark plays, he would be better here than he has been in LA, for example, or with the Chicago White Sox. We think because of our defense, maybe. He's going to be better here than he was elsewhere. Whatever the reason, you can find that out with a one-month runway leading into free agency. So for all of those reasons and the fact that it's only going to cost you a few million bucks, I think it could be really smart to place a waiver claim in, and you have the fifth pick in the waiver wire process. If you want him, you're probably getting Lucas Giolito. So that's the pro putting in a waiver claim argument. Where do you stand on that part of it, Alex? I'm with you. I don't see a con 
in signing Lucas Giolito because you get all of the information that you just mentioned. You find out what Giolito is. Basically, this is a private audition for you if you want to pursue this individual via free agency. I don't think Giolito is the number one or top arm that you're going to be looking for. I still think you're going to be going to the free agent market for a Nola or a Snell or an Urias or a Yamamoto, but we've talked about it. You need two or three starting pitchers this offseason, and you need some high upside. And although Lucas Giolito was terrible with the Angels, he at least did show you promise before he was traded there with the White Sox to where we all believed he was somebody worth pursuing. Now all you got to do is claim him and pay him money, and then for a month, which means you're going to get about five starts out of him on your roster, you get to find out what the attitude of Lucas Giolito is like. On one side of it, you find out if he can mesh with this team, with the catcher that is Wilson Contreras, and if this is somebody worth pursuing in the offseason. But two, let's find out what the attitude of this guy is, because you're coming to a bad team. You're coming to a Cardinals team that's not in a playoff run right now. Do you come in with your head down and say, man, I really like to be on a playoff team? Or do you come in and say, season has not gone well for me. I'm going to put my all into this with the Cardinals and see what can happen. So that's the bear case. The bear case is, do you really want Lucas Giolito to come over here right now with this environment at Bush Stadium, with this team, the way that they've been playing with Taylor Motter getting legitimate starting opportunities for you right now behind you? Like, Absolutely. Is, is that... Is that what's going to convince? I think there's there's two different perspectives. Uh, perspective one, you get information, and maybe that makes it more likely the Cardinals are interested in Lucas Giolito this offseason. They give a better offer for him. Perspective number two, Lucas Giolito also learns about your organization and decides, I don't want to sign there this offseason, which is at least possible. But then you saved yourself the hassle of an offseason of trying to get Lucas Giolito if he has that I mindset. You know. I think you know. But Maybe. also, Lucas Giolito might currently be interested in the Cardinals, but when he gets here, he may decide, I'm not interested in being in the Cardinals dugout next year. But don't you want to know that now? Before you go out and throw maybe more money that, that you the want situation to? situation is similar next year. I would assume that the Cardinals are in a very different spot at this time next year than they are right now. And if they're not, then something's gone horribly awry and everybody's getting fired. See, I think it benefits the Cardinals if he comes over here and has an attitude about being on a bad team and not the scenario he wants to be in. Because when the season goes poorly next year, because we're going to have spurts of that next season, there's no doubt about it. How does he respond to it? Because that's the type... I need to start finding the actual winning attitude and the attitude that could get me out of a funk rather than guys that are coming in for one sole purpose. And that's why I would take advantage of this opportunity and find out who Lucas Giolito is. Yeah, I I do understand BK's argument, though, because I would be concerned about how he comes in and gets to see what what his view is of the organization after a month. It's not a good situation right now. And to your point, and in a bad spot, a bad situation in the final month of – one, the crowd is just not what you would expect when you think St. Louis baseball heaven. I mean, I was at the game last night, and it was announced 36,000. I can guarantee there were not 36,000 people in the in the stands. And also, too, like from the outside looking in, you've seen all the controversy that's gone on. with. Or I don't know if you'd call it controversy, but you've seen all the question marks around the Cardinals surrounding Wilson Contreras as the catcher, and now he's going to come in and experience that. And maybe that's enough for him where it's like, Man, I didn't. I didn't like working with Contreras. I'm not going to do that, so I'm not going to sign in St. Louis. So I can see the argument for it, but I, I think you would have to lean on the side of, hey, it's beneficial for us to get the information that we need to figure out. Okay, what is Lucas Giolito? Can we take him to the next level? And honestly, maybe because it is only five starts, maybe you think you have something, and it works for only one of those five starts that you get out of him, and maybe that becomes one of your selling points to him. Yeah. Hey, look, we tinkered with your slider a little bit, and look, here's the movement that I got on it. 
We found this. We're, we're the ones who discovered this for you. Come here, sign with us on a three, four-year deal. We can help you with that slider. We can take you to that next step that you've been looking and searching for in your career. So I, I would put in the claim for Giolito. And to be fair to the Cardinals, Lucas Giolito oh. right. would be coming to a better situation than he's been in at any point in his career. Yeah, He's coming from a disaster up in Chicago, as we've been hearing about now from leaks coming out of the organization over the last few weeks. He's coming from the Angels, who are arguably a worse-run team than the White Sox. So the only things that he has seen so far in his career, at least in terms of his major league career, are abject failures of organizations. So the Cardinals may look amazing in comparison to what he's been dealing with thus far in his career. And guys, Joe McEwing. He's got a history with him, so maybe McEwing can put in a good word between he and the Cardinals as well. Somebody on the text line from the 618 says, guys, I wonder if this would make Giolito mad because he has an opportunity now to pitch for a contender, and that would be gone if the Cardinals put a claim in on him. Does he? So, yeah. I mean, if if a yeah, contending like, team puts in a claim Go through the him. list that's, be, that's after the Cardinals. So somebody will claim Somebody's going to claim him before you get to the playoff contenders. Oh, no, I don't I think don't, so. I, I think the... I don't think the Cardinals are truly claiming him, just so we're clear, but I think that he will fall to a playoff contender. Those teams that sit in that like 16 to 21 range, I think that's where like the Reds, the Diamondbacks, all those teams think about are. The Rays. the Rays are throwing a bunch of relievers yeah. right now. And this is the kind of deal that, uh, though the Rays don't spend in the offseason, this is the kind of deal that they will make where it is, oh, we only got to pay him $1.5 million yeah. to end the season to be in our rotation. Orioles. They would do it. Well, their their owner sucks too. I know. So I, I can count see on doing him. it. But like, I, there's teams that need pitching. Like teams are just they crave pitching so much at this point in the year. Even like if you're the Brewers, just go put in a claim and figure it out. Maybe you throw somebody else into the bullpen. Maybe you throw Giolito into the bullpen and say, hey. Listen, man, you were in a bad situation. We want you to be a part of a contending team. The Dodgers, they've got all kinds of pitching issues. Tony Gonsolin was just, it was announced that he's going to miss the rest of this year and all of next, most likely, with Tommy John surgery. Uh, there's a bunch of teams. Hell, the Padres. I, I would claim him if I'm the Padres right now. So there's a bunch of teams that could potentially go out and do this. But the reason why it doesn't bother me if that's the case, like if he's going to get upset about it, so be it. Okay. Like, uh, am I supposed to not claim you because yeah. you and your agent are going to be upset about it? Tough, man. Like, our, our job is to try to get the most information possible on people that we may be interested in signing in the offseason. I think the Cardinals should do this, just to be very clear. I don't think they will. And I think that is them not taking advantage of a unique situation that never happens, dude. They are a team that desperately needs starting pitching. This is one of the best pitchers that is going to be coming available on the market this offseason. And you get a one-month tryout between you and him, and you have to give up $1 million for it. If I could pay a million and a half bucks to go back to this time last year and for the Cardinals to be able to have a month with Wilson Contreras to find out ahead of time, is this a good fit? I, dude, they would have paid that in a heartbeat. So that way they don't make an $85 million mistake. Give yourself a $1 million down payment towards a potential $100 million contract. This it, Maybe it rules out Lucas Giolito. Maybe you decide this is not the guy that we want in our organization. Or maybe you fall in love and you say over the next month what T-Bone's been saying for a year and a half, hey, Lucas Giolito has something in him that he could become the next Zach Wheeler. This is a guy that you're betting on upside because he was a former top pick, and now you think that you can unlock something that the White Sox organization never did. 
That's possible because the White Sox are an abomination. They're a bad team. They're a bad baseball organization right now. So maybe you find something there. And then you go into the offseason. He's not going to resign right now. But you go into the offseason, you give him the highest bid, and you decide this is our guy. We want Lucas Giolito to be here long term. Even if you don't do it with him, can you please do it with one of the relievers? Please? Just one of them? One of them? I, all I of would them. take all of them. But just at least one of them. Can you sign Matt Moore? Just just put in a claim for Matt Moore, Hold man. Hold on, T-Bone, you're surprised by that comment. Yeah, we've got Andrew Suarez. Oh, okay. You've got Suarez on this Casey roster right Lawrence. now. James Nails Casey Lawrence. back up and down. Matt Moore can give you multiple innings, man. He's actually good. And you can and find he's a out, lefty. Cardinals love that. that. And you can find out information on Matt Moore. Maybe you decide, hey, Matt Moore was a guy that we were interested in this offseason. Let's get a month of information on him. He's had injury history. And what Let's do we, get that information now. And what do we always know about players when they come to St. Louis? They want to sign in hometown discounts because they love it here. Go get them. You want to keep Soros? Yeah, this bullpen's kind of okay. good right now. Matt Moore, Reynaldo Lopez, Jose Cisnero, one of those guys should be on the Cardinals by the end of the week. One of them, at least. And I think Lucas Giolito should be too. Yeah, I think Giolito, I think you should have two of those bullpen arms too. At least you could start figuring some things out. If you get Lucas Giolito, you could put Drew Rom into your bullpen, have him serve as a long reliever for you the rest of the way, take Andrew Suarez out, and then you sign Matt Moore. You can send Casey Lawrence back down. Boom, you've got a majorly capable staff now, dude. Like It's not good, start but it's a hell games, of a lot though. better now suddenly. I, I could see them claiming a reliever. I really could. They uh, should. I, I can tell you what we would hear. I bet if we had Mo on the line right now and said, hey, are you guys going to claim Giolito? You know what his response would be? No. We've got Rom and we've got Libertor coming back, and we got to see what we have in those no, guys. No, you don't. You they, don't. That's I what, promise I, you, you don't. I bet you that's what they would tell you. Oh, that's exactly what they're going to tell you. Giolito has a real chance to be a top-two starter for this team next year. I agree those with you. Those guys you just mentioned shouldn't I, be in the rotation. I agree with you, but I could already tell you that is what would come out of Mo's mouth. Somebody said, what about Clevenger? This it. team ain't signing Clevenger. Yeah, no. He's not going to be a Cardinal. Like you, you can want him to be as much as you want him. Trevor Bauer, those guys will not be signed with the Cardinals. And if you disagree with that, that's totally fine. But they will not be St. Louis Cardinals. I will eat this paper in front of me if that changes. Coming up next, NFL Quick Hitters here on 101 ESPN. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time into some NFL quick hitters alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks. And I'm Brandon Kylie. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Guys, you want to hear some of the uh, breakdowns from our fantasy football draft based on the Yahoo Sports app? Yeah. yeah first of all, I, I 
read mine wrong because I thought I got a B plus, but when BK sent it again last night, I saw it was the B minus, yep. but still happy with a B. So here's what they had to say about, let's start with Tanner's. Yeah. Tanner's team. T-Bone. With a projected record of nine and five, by the way, I think like half the league was projected to go nine and five. Yeah. What else is new? And oh, a third I... place finish. It seems like T-Bone is ready to crush the competition. The T-Bone Crushers took a bold approach by drafting three players from the same team. Patrick Mahomes, Isaiah Pacheco, and Sky Moore, all from the Chiefs. Will this trio be the secret sauce to T-Bone's success? Only time will tell. But it's definitely a strategy that will keep their opponents guessing. Mm. Until uh, Isaiah Pacheco loses his job to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. <laughs> so T-Bone got a B-plus on his draft. Okay. Put that Curious on my about fridge. my draft. I got an A-minus. I also am projected uh, to go 9-5. and five, First though. overall pick. BK is set to shake things up in the league. Perhaps in the most interesting move was drafting not one, not two, but three players from the same team. I had a similar approach to T-Bone. I've got Mike Williams, Quentin Johnson, and Gerald Everett all from the Chargers. Quote, BK is betting big on team chemistry. Let's hope they don't end up with too many eggs in one basket. You're betting big on Brandon Staley, which is just a rough thing to do, my man. (laughs) I just keep going back. Brandon. I can't quit him, man. I just he is like your worst drug. The Falcons and the Chargers, no matter how hard I try, I will always keep coming back. BK's like, Brandon Staley's offense? Clock management? Hell yes. Yep. I want more of it. I just can't get enough. All right, Alex's team. The BKOs, which is his team name, are projected Great to finish Great once photo. again 9-5, and five, proving <laughs> that their draft strategy just might pay off. They stumbled into their worst pick by selecting Russell Wilson at 73 overall. <laughs> Oops. All the but quarterbacks hey, were gone. <laughs> nobody's perfect. Right. You guys want to hear about the two worst drafts All the according quarterbacks to the, were gone. Uh, the Yahoo app? <laughs> yeah, because I know who got an F and I love it. Let's start with Anthony Stalter. Let's get Nasty's draft strategy left a bit to be desired. Their best pick came at 119, where they snagged Marquise Brown. But with four players on by in week 13, let's get nasty. He's going to have to get real nasty if they want to overcome their schedule difficulty, nice. which ranks as the 11th most difficult in the league. Good and, luck with that. And that uh, that waiver wire is not pretty in our no. league right now. All right. Final one here. I'm not going to tell you who this is. <laughs> Listening audience, 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line. I told you yesterday, audience. Who do you think drafted this team? With a draft grade of an F, <laughs> it's safe to say that this person's performance was less than stellar. They're projected to finish dead last in the league with a record of 1-13. That one win? The team is setting the bar low and still managing to limbo underneath it. Mm. Only time will tell, but it is clear that this team was not afraid to take risks in the draft, even if they aren't smart. Yikes. That's from the Yahoo app, dude. This is some robot that's talking about how terrible their team is. With terrible bad joke puns, too. Like, come on, get better with those. That was Kerry Davis. I don't think I really well, actually even looked at his team. It's a lot of running backs. As I said, <laughs> as I said yesterday on air. It makes sense, right? Kerry Davis has a little bit of a biased opinion on the running back market in what was, fantasy what football. What was his team name again? Oh, I don't know if I yeah. can say it on the I, I see him now. <laughs> yeah, I see him now. Yeah, I mean, even the quarterback wasn't the best decision by so my man. So he's got Brock Purdy. Yeah. yeah. He does not have a – his second quarterback's Ryan Tannehill at the moment. I will give him credit. Like Tyreek Hill, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, 
I really like Alvin Kamara this year once he gets back from inj- or from uh, his suspension. The bench is a little light, not going to lie to you. And But everybody's bench is a little light in this league. No, I'm R- loaded. It's Romeo Dubs. No, you're not. He's <laughs> not a guy that I would want to start. He has him starting. Could be, it could have gone better. Well, maybe he hasn't looked at it yet. Yeah, maybe, maybe he hasn't looked at it yet. I don't know that he... Uh, I, I feel know that good about my option. depth. I don't know why you're throwing my bench under the bus. What's up with it? How I many running backs have... you got? T-Bone's Four. got a really good team. Yeah, it, it, it I, makes me nervous, and I don't like I, that. Uh, I actually I didn't even realize this till after the draft, so I'm not even going to pretend it was strategy. Um, I've got uh, Miles Sanders with Carolina, and I've got his backup uh, in Hubbard. There you go. Yeah. I'm, I, I, you want to talk about my team chemistry. I got the Chiefs, and I got the Panthers. Well, I don't know about the Panthers. Roar. That's a team that you really want. That scares but me. Neither here nor there. All right, let's go through a couple of pieces of news from the NFL over the last couple of days. So one bit of news that I think kind of snuck up on us, Joe Burrow is still not practicing, guys, and he also does not yet have a contract extension from the Bengals. They are seeming to suggest that this is not related. Him not having a contract and not practicing, completely unrelated, he's just still hurt. He's still still dealing with a calf injury. Are you surprised that he doesn't have a contract extension yet, though, Alex? I thought it would be done by now. A little bit, but you're not hearing a whole lot of noise about it, too. Like, it's not like it's a frustrated quarterback about his contract. I think the part that's surprising are all of the other guys that we were wondering who was going to sign at first have all gotten their extensions. You've got Lamar Jackson. If I'm not mistaken, Herbert got his, too, correct? Yeah. So you're just looking at Joe Burrow. Yeah. But maybe that's, that's why the, I thought it would get done. But maybe that's the process he wanted. Maybe it was, I want to be the last one up there, and then maybe you got... that happened a month ago. But maybe you want like the season. Changed. Maybe you want the season to add a little bit more dollars to it. Yeah, I don't think anything changes once you get into the season. They know who he is. Joe Burrow's the second, third best. They might know who he is, but he can keep adding more money to it if he has a successful season. If you talk about an can. MVP, I think next year he can. If he waits and there's another quarterback that signs, maybe they reset the market again. But we've seen the market be reset. Now it's Joe Burrow's turn. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised that the Bengals haven't gotten this done yet. Yeah. I, I think it's a mistake, honestly. Yeah, I, I'm surprised they haven't gotten it done. But to Alex's point, we haven't really seen anything that seems to suggest that, one, negotiations have gone poorly, or two, he's unhappy. So, I mean, I would say uh, the thing that you, you can see that suggests that they haven't gone well is that he hasn't signed. Well, okay, sure. But, I mean, yeah, I'm not seeing not like reports that say like they're separated yeah, by $50 million like dollars guaranteed. Burrow's outspoken yet. about not having a contract. Not yet, because yeah. we haven't heard from him, because he's hurt. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not concerned. Okay, I'm I, think, not I think it's weird. I think and it's weird. I have them in fantasy football, the so I'm do allowed not to not be worried. Benefit of the doubt. What? Yeah, especially when it comes to contract negotiations. No, they're great at those. Next thing up, guys. Uh, Jonathan Taylor wasn't traded. He's still with the Colts. He's on the PUP list, so he's not playing for the first month of the season. Can we start anybody from the Colts backfield? In week one in fantasy football, I don't even know who else they have in their backfield. That's they the got thing. Moss. I, isn't he hurt? He was hurt. He got hurt in preseason I, or training camp. I think camp. it's Deion Jackson Ooh. is their starting running back right now. Yeah, no, I'm not starting anything. Well, you be, you, like, if you're in a fantasy league and you need a week one starter because you drafted like Alvin Kamara, right, and you went wide receiver heavy, would you start Deion Jackson in week one? No. No. Okay. Because um, if there's any running opportunities, I imagine Anthony Richardson is going to be taking those running opportunities. Yeah. The that- Colts' week one opponent is Jacksonville. I might. I, I would start him. Flex, league, flex spot? Non-super flex league? Well, you might freaking have to in our 14-team super flex league. Yeah, I I would not, if I've got better options, I would be looking elsewhere than him. I, I just, I don't think they're going to be utilizing their 
ground game. And if they are, I agree with Alex. I think they're going to turn it to Richardson. I think that's what they'll do. Or throw the hell out of the ball the first week. Yeah, let's not rely on Richardson. Who do you guys think is going to have the best defense in the NFL this year? I think Dallas. Together their rankings earlier. I think Dallas will. I think combined with Micah Parsons being that super utility player, and then you've got the backfield that really showed signs of improvement last year, I think they're going to be the best one. The ringer at Dallas 1, New York Jets 2, Cleveland 3, San Francisco 4, Carolina at number 5. I'm surprised San Francisco's at 4. I thought they would have been at least top 3. Yeah, they might be. Cleveland. I, I'm interested with Cincinnati too. I know they lost their safeties in free, but was it free agency? Is that right? Or they traded them? Mm. One or the other. Um, I'm interested to know what they look like because they had a good defense last year. They've got some decent guys and come off the edge. I'm curious to see what that defense looks like. I would go Din- uh, Dallas as well. Anything like this is tough to do because, man, if you looked at last season, like there were some defenses that performed way over what we expected out of them. And so defense is just so hard to predict going into the season. If there's going to be one that I think outperforms what we're currently expecting out of them, watch Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a team that I'm starting to buy in on. Jacksonville's my team. I think Jacksonville might be a a sleepy favorite for a lot of people. Coming up next, we're getting into some questions and answers. 314-399-9646 here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe it's PK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 9646 is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers. Let's start with this from the 314 or 636, excuse me. If T-Bone goes back to back in your fantasy league, shouldn't he get a title belt, a trophy, something like that? No. He gets money. Probably yeah. BK's unlimited vacation plan. Oh, that would be great. I'm it's out money. the rest of the week, by the way. Yeah. And then I'm out next week, so. Godspeed to you all. <laughs> next time you'll see all of Two us weeks. in the same studio together will be mid-September. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's kind of like the Cardinals coming just off. taking off the month of I'm September. I'm not off until a day in November. Well, the Cardinals took off April through September. You know what? I'll be off in mid-September as well. So I'll see you guys in like October. Maybe. Oh, perfect hockey season. Don't you have see a couple days then, off in October too? Yep. Yeah. And then again in November. Yeah. I'm going on vacation. This is around that time of the year, you know. After next week, I'm I'm done because it's hockey season. So <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll talk to you guys all the way and through June when the card or the uh, Blues win the Stanley Cup. All right, from the three one four guys, Mizzou starts its football season next week. How many games do you think they'll win? Twelve. Next be week would be fun, <laughs> wouldn't it? Did I say next week? They, yeah, they start I, their say, I thought it was tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, oh crap, my uh, schedule's off. I, I've got seven. Yeah, I was gonna say wins. seven. I think they're more likely to win eight than six, but I've got seven. I'm, is where I'm, I'm being safe with it, so yeah, seven's where I'm at too. I'm going six. Go I, to hell. I, I can see where they don't win a couple swing games and the quarterback spots another major question mark mr negative uh from the 636 guys if you had to sign one of these guys as your third starter this offseason who would you want luis severino kinta maeda tyler malley or frankie montas severino maeda malley or montas the assumption that this is not like this is your third i gotcha I would go Severino. Now, he's got injuries, and you're really hoping for the best, but essentially that's what I'm going to be doing for that number three, and Severino has shown to be a number two in the past, so I would go Severino. I think I would probably go Mally on that list, and I think he's recovering from Tommy John, right? I would probably Montes go with has him. a shoulder issue. So all Mally of these guys. has a Tommy John return. 
Maeda has head, shoulders, knees, and oh, toes. Shoot. Severino's and been good these last two outings. Yeah, he's been terrible this year, though. That's fine. He was I injured. Go, I would go Mally one, Maeda two. That would be my my preference. Montes makes me nervous because it's a shoulder, and those don't typically get better. Yeah, I would go Mally, Maeda, Severino, Montes in that order. I would probably go Mally one. I would probably go Severino two, just because, as Alex said, he's shown before that his stuff can play. I would go Maeda three, and then I would probably go Montas four. God, if Severino would hit again, that'd be a really good number three or four in your rotation next year Absolutely. if you have success getting ones and twos. It's why if you get the right one and two, I yeah. think you could go this route of getting a bounce back candidate as your third best starter that you're trading for. And with what we've seen from Zach Thompson, what you have internally with Libertor, the other options that are available to you right now, you can convince yourself that one of those guys can start, you know, 10 games in that spot to open up the year while this guy gets back to full health. So I think it's actually not a terrible way for the Cardinals to go, and I'm not giving them an out. You still have to sign Aaron Nola or somebody at the top Absolutely. end of the market as your number one, and then either trade for or acquire via free agency a legit number two as well. Or claim him on waivers and hope he becomes <laughs> exactly. a number two. Coming up next, speaking of somebody that the Cardinals could get off of waivers, does John Denton get the sense that the Cardinals are going to be interested in any of the players that are currently on waivers? Denton, the Cardinals insider for MLB.com, joins us next here on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. We're happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by John Denton. He's the Cardinals insider for MLB.com. You can read his work over at Cardinals.com and follow him on Twitter at John Denton 555. John is kind enough to join us on a day game out from Bush Stadium where he'll be covering the Cardinals versus the Padres here in just about an hour or so. John, we appreciate the time as always, man. Before we get to last night's game, I do want to get to a little bit of uh, business from what's going on around the league right now. Yesterday was a big day for the waiver wire. You saw Lucas Giolito and a bunch of other players placed on waivers that included Harrison Bader as well. When you look at where the Cardinals are at in that line, they're, they're picking fifth right now. Do you get the sense that the Cardinals will explore what is available to them via the waiver wire? Uh, BK, I think they'll take a look at it. I'm not sure how seriously they will delve into it. Uh, you know, they'll look to see if something makes sense. I mean, you know, Lucas Giolito is a name that, that catches people's eye, but, man, he's been bad so far this season. Uh, you know, he gave up 10 home runs with the Angels. I think he was 1-5 in five with them. Uh, it's not just not throwing the ball well at all. Um, you know, the, the, the reliever they got rid of has put up decent numbers. Uh, you know, for, for a team that needs three starters next year, maybe you kick the tires on Giolito. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I think it's unlikely that they – if they bring anybody in for the rest of the season, you know, I think they, they want to go at this thing with a fresh start this all season and, uh, you know, maybe have their choice uh, via trades and, and, and via free agent signings. But, 
I would say it's unlikely that they sign into that group that got released yesterday or you know put on waivers yesterday. If I were to advocate for it, John, my my case would basically be this: if the Cardinals could have paid a million dollars last year to find out what the fit would be like between them and Wilson Contreras, I think it would have been the best million dollars they've ever spent because I don't think they would have gone that same route this offseason. And if you could do the same thing this year when you're looking potentially at Lucas Giolito to find out, hey, is this a guy that fits here in St. Louis? Or like Matt Moore, who's a a reliever that could come in and give them a little bit of length. Maybe they're looking at that this offseason. They love their lefties. Isn't it worth it for a million bucks to go ahead and find out what these guys can do for you? Uh, yeah, I think it's you know it's it's a good investment. It, it is a good like free trial type of thing. Uh, Matt Moore was a guy that I advocated for this off season. I mean, all that guy's done is win everywhere he's right. been. Uh, you know, he's had a good season this year. I think he's three and one. Uh, you know, he he's a he's a winner. He's a guy who knows how to pitch. You know, he won't ever blow you away with his stuff, but he knows how to go up and you know up and down and, and side to side, and he just knows how to pitch. And you know, looking back on it now, if you'd have added. Matt Moore or a Chafin, how much better would the Cardinals bullpen have been? Uh, you know, the bullpen guys are so volatile from one year to the next. You know, I actually thought going into the season that the bullpen might be one of their strengths. And as it turns out, it was an absolute weakness. Uh, you know, last year they blew 16 saves. This year I think it's up to like 26 now. So, you know, you just hard to, hard to know from year to year with those bullpen guys. But I do like the Matt Moore idea because, you know, look at his career track record. All the guys done everywhere he's been is win, win baseball games. Do you think, John, that they're going to be more willing to be aggressive via free agency for bullpen arms than what they were this past year because of how this year panned out? Yeah, you know, I, I... Bad question by me. Yeah. I get it. Dude. There's some questions you just can't ask. He said, yeah, I, I'm yeah, not going to yeah, Alex, this is a terrible I'm question. Leaving. I literally just told you, Alex, that Matt Moore would have been a good idea, and that's what you're going to throw at me. Seriously? And then he hung up. I get it, John. He just got done explaining how volatile it is. But look. These bullpen arms year to year, you don't know how to predict but them. But look. You need to go out and get them, right? You do. Yeah, it's I, a fair question. It is. Um, and I think John was going to have an excellent answer for you, and then his phone blew up. I just made him so upset. He's out of Bush Stadium. I we know s- how these, these things work. I can see John doing that to where he's like, yeah, you know what, Alex? It's like, God, why do you ask these questions? He said, Alex, I watch the Cardinals on a night-in, night-out basis. They need everything. My wife does the same thing. When I ask her every night what I want, what she wants me to cook her for dinner, I say, what do you want? She's like, God, stop asking. All right, we got John Denton back on with us. John. We lost you there about midway through your answer on whether or not the Cardinals should be exploring the relief market this offseason. I, I promise I didn't anger anger hang up on, on Alex there. I don't know what it was. I'm walking around Bush Stadium and it just clicked off there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think they have to reevaluate their whole model on pitching. Like, you've got to spend on pitching. You can't you can't fill a bullpen with, with retread guys. You know, it, it's got to be, you know, high-level guys. It's got to, you know, the Cardinals have seen this year like, if you don't have the solid bullpen, like, it just breaks your will when you're having to win games two and three times uh, when you're blowing games in the seventh inning. Like, they've given up more runs, I believe, in the seventh inning than any other inning this season, and that's because their bullpen's been so ineffective. I mean, if the Cardinals had July Jordan Hicks instead of April Jordan Hicks, I think they would have five or six, seven more wins right now. You know, that, that bullpen is so valuable. So they're going to have to pour more resources into the bullpen they're going to have to maybe give up a prospect to, to, to get a, a solid bullpen guy. You need that bridge guy to get to the back end. Your bullpen is so, so important in this game.
John, over the last week, we've seen Blake Snell. We saw Aaron Nola. You mentioned changing the model. Those guys certainly fit that criteria of paying $25 plus million per year on a multi-year deal. If I know anything about your sensibilities baseball-wise, I would guess you think that Aaron Nola is a better fit here. But I'll just go ahead and ask the question. Who did you like better? Who do you think makes more sense for the Cardinals if they were to sign one of those two guys? Yeah, you know, it was interesting watching Snell the other night. I think he had uh, eight or nine three-ball counts. Uh, he went to he went full count five times. He walked five guys, but at the end of the day, he only gave up two hits and no runs. Yeah, uh, effectively wild, I guess you would call it. Uh, Snell's an interesting, you know, interesting case study because he's a guy who didn't throw that hard early in his career, and his his velo has actually gone up the last couple of years. I think, you know, before last season, he had never thrown a 96-mile-an-hour pitch, and he did that against the Cardinals. And this year, he's touched 97, 98. His velo is up. You, you kind of worry about signing guys who have career years on, the, on their walk here. Uh, I, I do like Nola. You know, Nola fits so much of what the Cardinals do. They, they love the tall, lanky, right-hander, guy who throws strikes, guys who attack. Uh, you know, I, I, if I was choosing between the two, I would say him. Uh, over Snell, but I mean, it's hard to argue with the numbers that Snell's put up this year. He's probably going to win the National League Cy Young. Um, right now, either one of those guys would instantly fall into the number one spot in the rotation, and you know, it, it's unlikely that they spend that kind of money on two guys, but man, that, that, that would be, that would change the Cardinals' fortunes right away. If you could, if you could get one of those guys to anchor the top of your rotation, that, that changes the outlook of next season right away. John, do you think when the Cardinals are, are going to get into that process of thinking of who's going to make the most sense for their team to be at the top of the rotation, are they going to take in the Wilson Contreras effect of if he's our catcher, how does this pitcher work with that individual? Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to take that into account. Uh, you know, I, I think the improvements that Kisner has made I, I really think that, that that Wilson Contreras is going to be a DH about 45% of the time next year, and he's going to be a catcher maybe 55% of the time. That you know, I, I, I think long-term long going forward, I think they probably see him more in a DH role long-term. Uh, that's not ideal. That's not what they were thinking when they gave him $87.5 million. But I think that's probably the way they're going to have to go is, you know, he, he's going to be their primary catcher. But he may not catch 120 games. He may only catch 95 games going forward. Uh, you know, his throwing numbers are off the charts. It's just his framing numbers and his blocking numbers that are that are down. He's worked on it. He's tried to improve upon it. He's had a solid season at the plate. It's just, you know, those, those framing numbers and the blocking numbers have to improve. They have to be better, uh, you know, for, for a pitching staff to fully buy in and, and trust a guy like that. John, what stood out to you about the win last night? There's a million different ways that you can go with this, whether it was the bunt, the Mason win play, the relief appearance yeah. from Casey Lawrence, JoJo going out there and doing it again. What was the number one thing that stood out to you last night? Well, yeah, I mean, asking Richie Palacios to bunt off Josh Hader with two, with two strikes, I mean, that's like looking down the barrel of a loaded gun. There are not many things in baseball more difficult than that. But, but the way Contreras hit the ball, like it was – he went, what, 10 or whatever on the first at bat and hit a ball right at the third baseman. And then he goes 107, then he goes 107 for a home run, then he goes 110 for a game-tying home run. He finally feels like this is home. He finally feels like he has a spot here. And, you know, he's, he's, he's had a crazy season, but it says something about the way he's, you know, he's put up his offensive numbers. He's bounced back, and he continues to, 
to play hard. And, and, you know, the Cardinals need more energetic guys. They need more uh, energy guys and guys who, who, who it hurts to lose. He's one of those guys. It bothers him when they lose. Um, you know, he's had a rough season, a crazy season. But I think he finally considers this home now. He knows this is where his future is going to be. Uh, the, the, seeing him hit the ball hard four times last night, hit two home runs, tie the game in the eighth inning, that was a big, big night for him, no doubt about it. And he had his parents in the crowd, so maybe the Cardinals should put them on the payroll. How beneficial was a game like last night, John, for, for players like Mason Wynn? Yeah, that was that was big time. I mean, Mason, you know, to be 21 years old and have the awareness that it doesn't matter what I do, I have to keep this ball in the infield. That was a huge play, and, you know, Mason had a hit early on. I think he broke a 0 for 10 streak. Uh, you know, he's, he's not seeing a lot of fastballs right now. He's realizing at this level that they're going to find your weaknesses and they're going to expose them and they're just going to pick at them and pick at them. Uh, he's getting, he's getting spun every time he comes to the plate. Uh, but that, that play in the, in the 10th inning, that, you know, that saved a run, maybe saved that game last night. So that was big time. The kid is loaded with athleticism. If you look at it, you know, he, he struggled early this season. Uh, at Memphis, he struggled early at Double A in Springfield, and then he, when he catches up, he takes off because his confidence is off the charts, his talent's off the charts. This is going to help him next year. It, it may not look pretty now, but this is going to benefit him for you know 2024. This is exactly why we've all been advocating or were advocating for him to be up. So I'm glad they made that decision and you can start to see it already paying off. That was a huge play by him defensively last night. John, we'll get you out of here on this. John Denton's our guest, Cardinals insider for MLB.com. Follow him on Twitter for all of his updates at John Denton 555. You did have an update earlier today from the ballpark on Dylan Carlson. For our audience that doesn't know about what's going on, we know about the oblique, but when it comes to the ankle and how this has been an issue, basically dating back to mid-May or early May. What's going on with Dylan Carlson there? What's up with his ankle? Yeah, you know, he, he sprained that ankle on a, on a base hit to right field coming out of the box. He was wearing pink shoes that he had never worn before because it was uh, Mother's Day celebration, uh, I think, um, and sprained his ankle. And that ankle has never fully healed. And, you know, he, Dylan's even had doctors to, who told him, look, you're, you're going to have to have surgery on this thing at some point, whether that's this offseason or two years from now because there's damage in there uh you know the cardinals got a a second opinion uh he got a painkilling injection he's working out in the weight room now he's also dealing with a grade two oblique strain good good. Uh, but he's working out in the weight room and if it goes well this week i think you know maybe next week he could start baseball activities again but you know if there's still pain in that ankle i would not be shocked if you know if he's still bothered by this thing next week uh, two weeks after that I, i think there could be a surgery coming because there's damage in that ankle that needs to be cleaned out at some point. Uh, so, you know, they're going to try to get him back to baseball activities, maybe get him back on the field this year. Uh, but if it didn't go well in the next couple of weeks, they may, you know, scratch everything, have surgery, and try to be ready for spring training next year. Obviously, the primary concern there is Carlson's health, and everybody wants him to be healthy. But thinking through the, friend, the lens of the front office, I'm assuming if he got that surgery, that would mean that he's not going to be included in any sort of, any sort of trades this offseason, correct? It'd be hard for another team to yeah. trade for a guy like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would, that would definitely, you know, uh, hence the, the, the attempt to try to get him back sure. on the field. Uh, you know, it's, you can't trade a guy when he's injured. That's why it was important for the Cardinals to get Tyler O'Neill back on the field now. You know, out injured and you've had a bad run, bad run as much as Tyler has. He had zero trade value. If you get him back, at least his trade value goes up. It would be the same thing with Dylan. you got to get him back healthy and 
at least showing that he can can be on the field every day. Hey, John, enjoy the game today, man. Final game of this series between the Cardinals and the Padres, two of the most disappointing teams in all of Major League Baseball this year. Appreciate the time, as always. We'll talk with you again uh, very soon, my friend. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks. You got it. That's Sean Denton joining us here on 101 ESPN. You can always find his work at cardinals.com. I'm very confused by that with Dylan Carlson because, Which like, part? well, the fact that you're waiting this long and you're going to say, well, you're probably going to have to have surgery, but we'll just try and get this thing figured out. Your team has been underperforming for the last three months. Dylan Carlson was named. I'm the guessing for- something new popped up. I- I'm guessing they didn't think it was going to be this long of a lingering issue. And because it did, he thought it was something he could probably play through. He thought he was hurt, not injured. And then they found out, OK, if we search further into this, it is something that's more of an injury than a hurt. Well, but situation. you've seen the struggles for so long and then O'Neill comes back and he's your fourth outfielder like I, I think if the, if I know there's some type of issues here and it's going to take some time let's get this thing taken care of now but the hope is always that you can avoid surgery it, like I know people say that with Tommy John as well where it's like hey just get the Tommy John just well, get it done dude but if you're done yeah, but if you get the Tommy John first of all there's no guarantee that you come back and second of all it's going to be a 14 month process and even then it might be two years but if you're Dylan Carlson you've struggled for multiple years and this well, could have been not... a lingering nagging problem uh, maybe I don't think that is I push back against this notion. Maybe I will be proven wrong. Maybe it was exclusively, hey, he struggled this year offensively because of the ankle injury. He was horrible before the ankle injury offensively. And I I think that his issues this year were just he was going to have a down year offensively. And then he added on top of that playing hurt. And that made it even worse than what it otherwise would have been. That's my personal opinion on the matter. They certainly know better internally than I do. The biggest thing for the Cardinals, though, is if he has the surgery, I would be shocked if anybody trades for him. You technically could. Like if somebody else has the medicals and they decide, okay, we're comfortable with this. We're willing. People get traded that have Tommy John, et cetera. You could do it, but he will never have a lower value than he does at that point in time. And I don't think there's another team that's really going to be taking him on. So if he gets the surgery, I think it it confirms Carlson's going to be a part of this roster next year. Even without the surgery, I think he's on this roster right now. Because if it's true what John just told us and said, you know, Doctors have told him it's going to have to get surgically repaired and cleaned up at some point. Do it now. I don't want to. I don't want to trade for damaged goods. That's why I understand you want to try and avoid surgery as much as possible. He should be having the surgery in the next week to get the ankle cleared up and not be trying to get back onto the what baseball if field. They decide he can get through without the surgery, and maybe three years from now he might need the surgery, but maybe he won't. If you're the Cardinals and you're open to the idea of trading him this offseason, don't you want to try to get him back onto the field now? Try to play, see what he looks like, see if he can play with the ankle as it is currently, no, and then he's trade him? Proven he can't play on the ankle. And the value's not there. The You've thing. tried to trade him and their value wasn't there. But at least then you might be able to trade him this offseason. If he gets the surgery, there is a 0% chance that you trade him. I think either if way you're selling low. That's you are thing. selling low. And I think I'd rather just but do the surgery and see if I can get him back. What I'm saying is there is zero chance that you are trading him this offseason if he has surgery. There is a chance that somebody will trade for him while buying low on the other if he doesn't get the surgery. If I'm the Cardinals and I'm open to moving on from him and selling low, then you have to explore what it looks like with him not getting the surgery. You have to go this route. I, I just Where I push back is I don't think there's a very small chance. I think nobody's trading for him. He has to get the ankle cleaned up right well, now. We don't know what the medical opinion is. Like we, I, I heard what Denton just said, and I, that is one doctor's opinion. We see this all the time where there are differing opinions on a specific issue that is hindering a player. If that was every doctor's opinion is what he's hearing from this one, he would have the surgery already by now. 
But I'm guessing he's heard conflicting reports. Some doctors think he's going to need surgery. Others say, hey, this is something that I've seen other guys play through. It might be a problem for you in terms of hurting, but there are other unintended consequences potentially of getting surgery on your ankle as well. Anytime you go under the knife, there's potential unintended consequences. So I'm guessing that's why they're doing it this way. I I will leave this. I, I think they have a better idea of it than any of us do in this room. And it's one of the reasons why whenever a guy says, I don't want to get Tommy John yet, I'm like, okay, I get it. It makes sense. I'll, I'll wait until you have to. I wait as long as you can until you absolute, it becomes a, a total necessity. Coming up next, we normally do this on Tuesdays. It's a Wednesday, and we haven't done this in a hot minute. It's time for a tender Wednesday here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You guys can play along. 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line for a Tinder Wednesday waiver wire edition here on 101 ESPN. Uh, I'd like to uh, make an argument here. I'm not a big fan of this name. Can I throw another name into the hat here? You don't like Lucas Giolito? No, not that. I just don't like the Tuesday waiver wire Tinder. Or the Wednesday Tinder. See, this is the problem. It doesn't even work. I got a better it's idea. It's just because you're bad with the English well, no, language. It's, just, it's terrible. You put a T with other W's. It needs to be <clears throat> a Wednesday waiver wire roundup. Yeah! Hit the music, T-Bone. T-Bone. T-Bone, hit the music. No. T-bone. Hit the music. Whatever you want to call it, we're swiping right or left. 314-399-9646 is the air cover service text line. Play along as we go. Swipe right if you like it. Swipe left if you don't. This is what the Cardinals are doing right now in the waiver wire. Yeah, swiping left on everything. Yeah, apparently. They have the fifth spot in the waiver process. The teams in front of them are the Oakland Athletics. Okay, well, they're not the doing The Kansas City Royals. The Colorado Rockies, who sent $50 million with Nolan Arenado for no prospects to the Cardinals. And the Chicago White Sox, whose owner just does not care about the team right now. Don't even have a general manager right now, too. After firing everybody internally, they decided to promote from within for their general manager job, giving Chris Getz the opportunity. He's an advisor. So, Cardinals basically have the first waiver claim. Good. Bunch of players were placed on waivers yesterday. All they got to do, if they want anybody, place a claim. They pay him basically a million bucks the rest of the way. Let's start with Lucas Giolito. He's the headliner here. Starter previously with the White Sox and now with the LA Angels. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's been bad since he has gone to the Angels. But on the season, has thrown 150 innings for a 4.5 ERA over the last two years and 57 starts. He's been consistent in terms of the outings. 315 innings, 4.7 ERA. You swiping right or left on acquiring Lucas Giolito on the waiver wire, Alex? I am super swiping. <laughs> Why wouldn't you super swipe on this one? It is a clear, obvious yes if I'm the Cardinals to get Lucas Giolito. I don't care that he's been bad with the Angels. What I do care about is he's got swing and miss stuff. He's got number two potential in a rotation. And I get a month to find out if you fit on my team before you become a free agent. So, yeah, super swiping on this one. Yeah, I'm with Alex. It's a super swipe! Oh, yeah. I, I fell and this guy stole my heart like a year ago. And I'm still in love. And I want him back in my life. 
Actually, I want him in my and when life. When he saw him perform but, with the Angels, it was an achy, breaky heart. Yeah, no, it was. He was just in a toxic relationship with a crappy owner and a crappy and team. You were like, that I'm the better man bought. for you. Yes, exactly. I like so him. I want him here in St. Louis. I want to see what he looks like. I, I want to see him in person, see if he can tinker with anything that's gone wrong in L.A., and see if you can see signs that he can be the next Zach Wheeler for your rotation. Someone said, I'm. I'm open to swiping right, but I don't want my heart to uh, be put out there for the first date. I get it. Send it. Lucas Giolito, you get five dates with, and then you find out what it's going to be like for you to potentially move in together. Give him the ring. I'm not giving him the I guess you got to have to. You're giving him a ring if you're signing him this (laughs) offseason. You're committing. (laughs) Ain't no moving in. You're moving in when you claim him. You're saying, let's move in together on the first date. It's like one of those HGTV shows, like love it or list it. (laughs) You immediately have to decide, are you loving this or listing it? Um, Yeah, I'm swiping right. I'm not super swiping, but I'm definitely swiping to the right. My next player that we're adding to this list is my super swipe. You guys knew this. Oh, there could be multiple super swipes. This is my Mandy Moore of my childhood. You remember Mandy Moore? Dude, Mandy Moore in a walk to remember. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Started feeling some things. So Matt Moore... Makes my heart flutter. The guy has appeared in 103 games over the last two years and has a 2.1 ERA in those 103 games. He is a lefty reliever that can give you some length. Yeah, bring him in, add him to the mix. Let's see if he fits with what you're trying to do here in St. Louis. See if he likes the free zoo. I'm sure his kids will love it. I don't know that he has kids or not, but I'm sure they will love it. Bring Matt Moore in. Super Swipe! Hit it again, T-Bone, because his length fits right in to the bullpen for the Cardinals. I don't know why you wouldn't do this. Once again, your bullpen decisions were abysmal this offseason, thinking that we had the right pieces and they didn't work out. Welcome to the right piece that you should have went after, but now you could get them for nothing, and you could sell them on St. Louis, the zoo, the arch. Have you seen Forest Park in the fall? All of those reasons will make Matt Moore want to be in St. Louis, so super swipe the hell out of that one, too. I'm not super swiping, but I would swipe God, right. you're weak. I, I think he becomes your second best lefty, if you want he would this year, but if you can convince him to stay, you've got a great dynamic duo of Matt Moore, Jojo Romero's to the lefties with swinging his stuff at the back end of your uh, bullpen on top of Gio and Ryan Helsley and whatever else you may he's do this offseason. Like Three million bucks next year. Yeah. And he's better than John King. He's legitimately good. He's better he's than most of good. your bullpen arms right now. Yeah. Not Suarez. Get, get Matt Moore, bring him in, add him to the mix. Reynaldo Lopez, Jose Cisnero. Would you guys be interested in either of those two bullpen I'm arms? I'm swiping right on Lopez. Don't really care about Cisnero, but probably could intrigue me in this. I'd sign two bullpen arms here because you need to just throw everything at it and see if something sticks for your bullpen next year. So Lopez is one that I'm pretty intrigued by. Um, I'd swipe right on that one. Not super swiping. I'm not going to get crazy there. Would you guys DFA Drew Verhagen in favor of one of these players? Absolutely. I would, yes. I would swipe right. I agree with Alex. I would swipe right on Lopez. I'm not that interested in Cisnero. He'd be fine if they brought him in here, but I would swipe right on Lopez because he's been good with the Angels. He's got some swing and miss stuff. I'm actually a little surprised that the Cardinals didn't put Verhagen on waivers yesterday. I am too. Cisneros, no. Uh, he, he's been no. good in his history. He's just he's not this having a good season yeah. at all. Mm, um, I, I would swipe right on Lopez as well. I think it's worth a look. I would go ahead and DFA Drew Verhagen. And then the way that you make it work roster wise is uh, you end up getting rid. I'm sorry of Andrew Suarez. He gets DFA. You DFA Drew Verhagen. I add Matt Moore. I add Cisnero. There's That's the, the door, Andrew. 
You don't got to apologize to me. Verhagen should be more upset that he is the first one out the door, not Suarez. All right, two other guys that I think are worth a look, and I'm going to put them in the same category because both are former Cardinals outfielders that are now on waivers. Randall Gritchick and Harrison Bader. Guys, are you swiping right or left on Randall Gritchick and Harrison Bader? I'm swiping left on Gritchick and right on Harrison Bader. Mostly because I, I know Gritchick has been a center fielder, but I need defense in my center field. And Bader is a better defender than Gritchick. You can shake your head all you want, T-Bone, but I Bader is better than Gritchick. And this gives me the opportunity to put Newt Barr in left, to put Walker in right, and Harrison Bader, welcome home, my man. You've made our defense better. Put the speed out there as well. I'm swiping left on both. Because really, you know what both are, so you don't need to have this open house invitation. Like, you've been in that marriage before. Yeah. What if you you've get had Bader your divorce? Back, plays well, and you get him on the cheap as a free yeah. agent. Well, I can just sign him in free agency then. So, like, I, you, I would much rather see Edmund Palacios and everybody's in this outfield right now and Newt rather than seeing. Don't get me wrong. I would like Bader in the offseason, potentially a reunion Why not just there. just get him now? Because he, like, you, you don't, don't guarantee anything. You, you don't have time. to. Let's yeah. find out what Palacios is the rest of the way. Let's find out if Tommy Edmond can actually play center field regularly the rest of the way. Let's see what Lars Newpar looks out there. I've already got a crowded center field spot. I, my goal would be for one of those players to be my starting center fielder next year. If they can't, then I move on to Harrison Bader in the offseason. But Bader is a, a a real injury question. He's played 170 games over the last two seasons combined. He's missed, I think it's like 80, 160, 60, 220 games over the last three years. I, I mean, one of the greatest moves that Moe's made in his tenure here in St. Louis was trading Harrison Bader at the deadline last year for Jordan Montgomery. I'm serious. You got t- you, you should have up- seen this guy with his little for trade jo- tree dude. earlier so in the you trade. He's true. You trade 97 games of Harrison Bader is what the Yankees got out of him for a full season, basically, of Jordan Montgomery. And then you flip Jordan Montgomery for TK Roby, who I don't know if you guys saw what he did over oh, the yeah. weekend. Dealt. Throwing 99 down in double A for you right now. Slider that's just a wipeout pitch Didn't for him. Like, and a curveball as well. He had like eight strikeouts. He looked awesome. He had three innings and was just amazing. So he's coming back from injury. That's a guy that's a future ace for you. And Thomas Segesi. 100 RBIs this year down in double A. 100 RBI. Hit, a, hit for a um, cycle for you already as well down there. Those guys came in the deal for Jordan Montgomery. So Harrison Bader, 97 games of him, became two current double layer players for you. Oh, One that's wow. going to be your ace. Another that's going to be a consistent 270, 280 hitter for you some, at the big league level. Nice trade. Some would say because Mo traded Bader, the outfield defense wasn't good enough this year, which led to some of our issues. Yeah, well, and if you did, because if you had we had, Bader, he would have played sixty games. Scrub Montgomery in our rotation prevented us from re-signing Jose Quintana. So that's what some would say. Some would say the Cardinals robied the Yankees. That was t- now. How do you feel about that? one? I give it a six. Okay. Really, a average. Six? So in the end, I would I would swipe right on Matt Moore and Lucas Giolito, and then one other bullpen arm. Yeah, two super probably two super swipes for Giolito and Moore, and then I'd swipe right on Lopez. Yeah. I'd swipe right on one bullpen arm, Lopez. I'd su- and Moore, and I would super swipe <laughs> on Lucas Giolito. Your future. What ace. do we think they actually do? Nothing. Nothing. Super yeah. swipe left on everything. Right. Can we be critical of them for doing that? Absolutely, you can. Yeah. I maybe if they. 
pass on Geely though. If, if they, they pass, pass on, on everybody, any then of those bullpen we can arms be too, critical of them, yeah. right? Eh, you no. can't stick with Lawrence and Suarez, and no disrespect to them, but you can't stick with those guys if, because they're not a part of your team next year. If it required you to get rid of both of those guys, I could kind of understand it because you do need some length in this bullpen. Like they, their starters are not getting deep right now, and so I do understand the need for long relievers. However, if you're able to get Matt Moore, he gives you a little bit of length. Not a ton, but a little bit of length. He can go multiple innings for you. And I, I just, like, if you get Lucas Giolito, you could put one of your starters, what I probably Drew Rom, into the bullpen. And, when Matthew and Lippert- he now provides your relief. And when or- Lippertor comes back, he goes to your bullpen and provides long relief. You're good there. I would be critical of the Giolito one, the bullpen one. Like, I... I- I'm on the fence whether or not to be critical of him or not, but I would be of the Giolito one because, like, we'll get you on board. Why? No, you won't. No, you uh, won't. But I, the Giolito like one, more last year. You don't I need know. to know what Libertor and Ram are. Like, you, you, they're not in your rotation next year. Yeah, at least with Giolito, they're brought in. I think what they would say about the bullpen is one, they need length, and two would be that. I think what they would say is, well, we can bring them in, but you know, maybe they're not the guys we want to target this off season. Would be what they would say. And I think that's fair. And if that's the case, like then I guess they don't need to spend, quote-unquote, spend the money on this waiver claim to go get those guys. Yeah. Giolito's the one that I really think they need to. I would agree. It's a, it's a million dollars to find out information, and information is worth a million dollars. And they said at the beginning of the season, hey, we've got a bunch of money that's available for us at the deadline, and then they sent out money instead of bringing money in. That's right. Wow. We're going to get Giolito. That is they, a good they recall. Should. They should get Giolito. Coming up next... Alex is mad at Dom again. It is officially hockey season, what? ladies and gentlemen. We'll get to it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. T-Bone on BK. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. It is officially hockey season when Dom puts out a list and Alex comes in angry because of it. That's when I know we have turned the page into hockey season. Yeah, but it's my fault. I I really don't read them because it's Dom's articles. I just get angry (laughs) that he put them out. So if you're not familiar with who we're talking about with Dom, it is Dom from The Athletic. He put out a piece today on the NHL's front on office confidence rankings. This is actually not based on his own opinion. This is based on a poll that he takes of fans across the NHL. And so this is a reflection of how Blues fans view the front office. Yeah, you shouldn't be mad at the Dominator. Now, to be fair... I'm always mad at the Dominator. Dom has been basically making fun of the Blues for the last two years, saying, hey, this is about to go off of a cliff. Be prepared. Your check engine light's on, St. Louis. He was right. He was 100% correct. But we don't have to talk about that He wasn't right. According to this piece, Alex, the Blues have the 21st best front office in the NHL, at least based on the confidence level right now. A lot of that is because of their cap management. Fans gave it a D plus. Only three teams in the NHL got a worse rating for their cap management than the Blues did. Alex, what do you think needs to happen this year? For Blues fans to regain confidence and the direction that the front office is taking this team. Win. Makes a lot of sense. Am I right? And trade away one of those defensemen. Because the only way you get back that confidence from Doug Armstrong and company is to prove that your cap management skills are better. And to do that, you got to eliminate six and a half million dollars off of your cap hit. And 
I don't know how you're going to accomplish that because if you go cap management just in terms of, and I know people push back with the Braden Shen signing. I don't think it's that bad considering what he probably would have been paid when he signed. Regardless, it's a good deal. I, other than that, they've got so many deals that are bad, and that that's the one. That if you look to, at like, if you look at the forward, sorry, buddy. If you look at the forward group, there's not a bad contract on that. See, I was just going to bring something up about not so much about that. I think there's a bad contract. But I think you're right on the def- traded defenseman win, win number one for sure. I think one thing that will also help the cause for Army of fans look at the team next year and are taking the same survey is, was he right on Cairo and Thomas? Do they take the next step? I don't think they're bad contracts And I don't know if you're going to know that until you get to about year three of that contract. Because but I, I think you're probably right. You're still but I growing think, with those. I think with the center of attention that the Blues have put on those guys in terms of saying, hey, these are the guys that are going to be guiding us forward. Look at these contracts we just gave them. It's the same deal for both of them. Nobody's named a captain right now. I I think it is going to be that those two guys have to start showing it now because they are the face of the franchise in a a market that wants to see the Blues back in the playoffs this year and does want to wait on the retool. I actually think you can even go further than that. I think it's a few different players, and that's two of them, but one more, Jake Neighbors. If Jake Neighbors comes out and has a great season, if I was right yesterday, it's unlikely because we know I'm not very right very often. Boy, if However, he is, though, we're going to be hearing it all season oh, long. Oh, dude. Jake Neighbors went from being the guy that I hate last year to the guy that I love this year. So uh, let's see what that looks like. Back your boys. A reminder, I did tell you guys that they were going to have to end up trading Ivan Barbashev, and that's exactly what happened. So, Alex, when you look at Jake Neighbors and what he could be for this team, if they got it right with him, and he ends up being a 15-plus goal scorer this year playing top six minutes, that's huge. And that inspires confidence about what the next group of young players could be for the Blues. And I do think Kyrou and Thomas is a good point on that, uh, T-Bone. Because if they end up working out this year, if Thomas takes a step and looks like a number one center, if Kyrou plays a more well-rounded game and scores 40 goals this year, okay, well, $8 million for that is a steal. And you're able to get that before, like, their contracts will end when they're 20 or 32 and 33 years old. That's a good deal for those guys. Doesn't even take them out of their primes necessarily. So I I think that's a huge piece to this. That's one way that they can get back into the good graces of Blues fans. If you look at Dom's piece and and what the fans voted on, all of the other grades, I think the drafting was drafting and developing was a B, Mm -hmm. and then everything else was was around a C, which I think is right right now with a team that's retooling. But I think the cap management is partially because of Kairou and Thomas. Well, and that's what I'm saying. You go back to the top 10 when you prove that your cap management is correctly. And the only way to prove your cap management is correct is like we just talked about Kairou and Thomas hit but also you move a defenseman I don't think that's part of it let me clarify I think that could be part of it like if they are able to move one of those defensemen that's a big piece of it I I think that is bad process though in terms of discussing whether or not they got that stuff right cap management wise they got it wrong like they, they flat out messed up They gave out too many no-trade clauses to the blue line, gave out bloated deals to the blue line, and should have just kept the captain. They should have just kept Alex Petrangelo. So they they made some bad decisions there, and their cap management was legitimately bad on the blue line. But I think you can fix that with one move. Maybe, but that's... They have put themselves into this position because of those no-trade clauses. So you're right. It would be like an arsonist putting out his own fire, though. Like, technically, he did put out the fire, and he deserves credit yeah, for but it. Look at how, but look continue. at how people viewed Doug Armstrong when Yori Laterra was here and had that money, and then they flipped a Yori Laterra for Braden Shen. It's a little different, though, because you have no flexibility because these players can tell you when they do or don't want to leave. Like, 
if Tory Krug didn't have a no trade clause, first of all, he wouldn't have signed here. But like Nick Letty, if Nick Letty didn't have a no trade clause this past offseason, the Blues probably include him in a deal that ends up bringing them somebody else or at least just flipping his money to somebody else. And that changes the way that we view that move. But they did give him a no trade clause and they gave him four million dollars and they gave him four years. So I I think no matter what they do with those those contracts, they still deserve to be docked long term for the way that they managed the cap in that regard. I, I would be more optimistic about him if you're able to get off something like that. Like if they would have been able to pull off that move for Krug and Sanheim this offseason, you still probably would have been a little skeptical because you're bringing in somebody else who's got that long term deal attached to him with a no trade clause. But if you're able to find a way like Jr. predicted in his piece on the athletic of moving on from Tory Krug this season or in the offseason, I think that opens up more possibilities for Doug Armstrong. Definitely. And you look at this and you say, okay, cap management wise, he's fixed his problems. It, he, he definitely made it better. And like, we'll give him credit if he moves off of the money, but it doesn't change the fact that he did this. No, you but, know, like he, he got himself into this situation and now he's the old meme where he's kind of in the hot dog suit wondering who we're all looking for the guy that did this. What well, was you like you, you deserve the criticism for what comes next, which is trying to move the money. You have locked yourself into a blue line that as people look at it, at least neutral observers, they say to themselves, this isn't good enough. You can't contend with this group on your blue line. Was it Craig Button who said nobody's afraid to play against that blue line? Nobody's afraid to go against Tory Krug? Well, you gave him a bunch of money and a no trade clause. You gave Nick Letty a bunch of money and a no trade clause. So for, for me personally... I will continue to be a little critical of the cap management, even after he moves the money, if he can, for the blue line. I don't think he's done a bad job with the forwards, though. I, I think that people are out over their skis on, for your point, Alex, the Braden Shin deal. I don't think it's a bad contract. I think you need guys like Braden Shin inside of that locker room. And yeah, he's 32 years old. And at the end of it, when he's 35 and 36, making six and a half mil, we're probably going to be sitting here saying, man, you wish you didn't have that money on your contract or on your books, but he's going to be 35, 36. And anytime we talked about this with Bryce Harper, yeah, the back end of his 13 year deal, you're not going to love it, but it was the first eight years that you absolutely loved. And that's why you signed the contract. And the difference with hockey is like for a Bryce Harper, when it goes, that individual's bad in hockey, you have a different role. People were upset about Alexander Steen's money until 2019 when you're looking at bad but it was but when it comes to a certain type of player and again think of a cap going up it just depends on how that person performs which is why i just look at what he's done on the forward side and say he's done a very he's done a better job than most general managers in terms of managing a salary cap a flat salary cap with young talent aging veterans and finding ways to keep that in the middle you think so I do. I think he's done a very good job, especially in the flat cap era, in terms of acquiring Buchnevich and getting him to his contract. Signing are you talking so- just forward or are you talking about I'm talking general? forward. Okay. I'm not talking defense. I think defense has been a problem, but I think you can fix that. I also believe goaltending he has done a very good job with in terms of giving Bennington that money. But if you look at how other general managers manage their team, a perfect example is Pittsburgh. And we've talked about this. Pittsburgh had to do it. But you've put yourself in a bad spot for the next five, six, seven years if you don't win for the next two. I think Doug Armstrong has accomplished something that in between of it looks bad now, but you've put yourself in the right position if you draft and develop correctly, which fans believe in him. If you do that, you put yourself in a better spot. I think we're all on the same page with the forwards. I think where we disagree a little bit is with the defense. 
And the reason why I feel as negative as I do about the defensive core is because I think you can make a pretty strong argument. None of those are plus EV in terms of like the value that you're expecting from them moving forward is less than the contracts that you're currently paying them out. And then when you include the no trades that are involved in those, I think it really sets you a a step behind. And this is not second guessing from me. There's a lot of this stuff that we disagreed with in the time. I thought the Krug deal was fine, but the reason why you had to sign it was because you let Petro walk. And we all in this room agreed you should have just re-signed Petro. We disagreed with the whole philosophical belief that you can't give out a no-move clause. So when you do that, though, it sets in motion a lot of these other moves. I thought the Marco Scandella deal was a little too much a little too early. I thought the Nick Letty deal was too much money over too many years and with a no-trade clause. Pareko, fine. It hasn't worked out necessarily the way that you wanted it to, and it was scary because of the back issues, but I didn't have a problem with the contract. I'm not going to be a fraud. The Justin Falk deal, it's, again, a result of you not thinking that you were going to be able to re-sign Alex Petrangelo, so fine. But the Letty and Scandella deals are really the ones that set you over the top. Those are the ones that have you in a place where you're paying $7.5 million this year to two guys that you don't necessarily want on the roster. And I think people look at Scandella deal a little different if he's healthy and he has not been healthy over the last two years. The Letty's one is the one that you're always going to go back to and say, what the bleep happened here? Because you put yourself in a bad spot no matter what. Coming up next, there's one player that I have thought all along would have been one of the best Cardinals that they could have possibly signed. And he had an all-time great moment yesterday, Alex. we got to talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The Junk Drawer with PK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. Juncture alongside Alex and T-Bone. I am BK. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. So Alex, one thing that I love about certain players around the league is that they're open and honest about their pregame routine, right? Everybody's got a little something different that they do prior to a baseball game. Alex, we all have different things that we do uh, prior to a show. I worked with a guy in Kansas City who his pre-show routine was to go around the the station on a walk every day. It's the weirdest thing I've That's ever seen. That's not a routine. He just didn't want to be around you for a few hours. No, I I promise you, this gentleman, he it wasn't about me. Yeah. Um, That's what they he, all say. Every day, whether it was 150 degrees outside or five degrees outside, his pre-show routine was the exact same every single day. He's going on a walk around the building. So that was his thing. Alex, you've got your, uh, your doo-doo that you got to do prior to the shows, if you can, if you can fit it in. Oh, I can always fit it in. Don't appreciate you bringing up my uh, deuce that uh, the Browns have got to hey, go to the Super Bowl before the show. We've got a little something. I listened to the audio prior to us coming on the show. Yeah. Well, BK Bryce- makes it sound like he's a harder worker and I'm in the bathroom. Appreciate <laughs> that, buddy. Teamwork. Well, again, BK and Ferrari. Secondary comes piece. First. Yeah. <laughs> secondary piece. I'll be Bryce the primary Harper piece tomorrow. Has a very specific routine when he's driving to the ballpark in Philadelphia. He listens to sports radio. That's why I was driving in today, and you know I'm listening to WIP like I do a lot, uh, the two o'clock hour. And uh, a guy named Chuck called in. And he calls in a lot of players. You know, he was talking about our team and talking about me and stuff. And um, I walked in the training room. I was like, I'm gonna go deep tonight for Chuck. Uh, <laughs> that guy had me fired up, man. And what did he do last night? He goes deep. I personally 
love the fact that that man drives into the ballpark listening to sports talk radio because to me he's doing that because he wants to get pissed off before the game and go out and prove people wrong one of the reasons by the way why the phillies are absolutely terrifying going into the playoffs is because bryce harper is getting hot again bryce harper in his last 21 games is batting 385 with an ops of 1300 he has nine home runs seven doubles and a triple in 21 games also you, know you chuck you know who would have looked good in cardinal red Bryce Bleep and Harper. We had our version and Tyler but, O'Neill. Hey, here's the thing. Did you really want to pay this guy in year 13 what you're going to be paying him? Yeah. We <sighs> could have had Tyler. We had Tyler O'Neill who was going to give us that kind of production at league minimum. Man, so look at him now. Can't I play tweeted on turf. out earlier today just how much that I love Bryce Harper. Saxy tweeted back. It's cool when you see athletes grow up over time and become leaders. I said he would have been such a great cardinal. I had the same and thought Saxie as you, Alex. said, no, he wouldn't. said, behave, BK. I looked back at my uh, at my Twitter timeline to of find out what did. I said about Harper because I remember we we talked about him a lot when I was with Wheels. Um, me and Wheels were both very much in favor of signing Bryce Harper. There was one day that I filled in for Wheels with Mark Saxon, and my tweet for the podcast that day was, "I continue my crusade of trying to have uh, bring Bryce Harper to St. Louis." Mark Saxon still believes I'm a loon. Oh, so Saxy was always not on board with this. Yeah, completely. Very much so. See, this this feels like my Arenado 99%. Unfortunately, so, the Cardinals never did it. Bryce mentioned Chuck, who he hit the home run for yesterday. Do you want to hear what Chuck had to say prior to that? Yes. You found Chuck? I found Chuck's audio. Here's what he had to say on WIP earlier in the day yesterday. I want to say something about uh, 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 my man, Bryce Harper, right? Yes. Bryce Harper, listen, man. If I don't do anything before I die, I'm going to shake that man's hand one day. Jimmy, because he's one of the best. He's well, the best Chuck, ever. he could be listening right now as we know his routine is to listen to the Marks and Reese show on his way he, into the park. If he's listening, listen, man. Bryce, get your ass down, kicks in peace, whenever you get a chance, man. And come meet me and come meet the people that love you because you are the man. And we go where Bryce Harper go. You know what I'm saying? And mm. I tell you, I, I don't want to see nobody else win the ring. More than I want to see that guy. All right. All right. Okay, I understand why Harper went to the training room and said, I'm going deep for Chuck. Let me ask you this, because this is the first thing I just came up with. Is there an athlete in St. Louis that fans feel that way for? That's what I was going to say. Oh, really? No, I, you, I don't know. You call me secondary, but you and I are the same. Yeah, we're simpatico. Minus um, me. You know. They felt that way for Yachty. Yeah. They felt that way for Pujols. It felt that way for Carpenter. Feel that way for Wayno, I would say. It's felt that way for Petro. Oh, great. <laughs> I was listening, uh, O'Reilly. Oh, yeah, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, the Roundtable T Bone, on Ooh. the Athletics Baseball Show podcast, and they were talking about. So, one of the guys is a Giants fan. He was talking to his Mariners fan friend, who he said years ago, "Hey, I would, I wouldn't give up the years for anything. Um, I wouldn't give up the the King Felix Felix years for anything. I wouldn't trade that for a World Series." Now, obviously, that's ridiculous. Like you would, you you'd trade. You'd find a new player that becomes your hero if you win a no. World Series, right? But the idea, like, I, I do kind of understand it. Even when you're going through the dark days, you've got a guy. You've got Ken Griffey. You've got King Felix. You've got the days where you could go to that ballpark and watch that guy and they make it fun. The difference is the Mariners haven't won one yet. And so they don't have that feeling in their mind of this is what it's like. This is what it creates for you as a fan. And St. Louis would do. We got that in 06. We got that in 2011. We went back in 2013. But when you think about the gap that existed between the 80s and 06, man, it took 20 years for the Cardinals to be able to get back and win one finally. They had a lot of players in that stretch, though, where you could look back on it like Ozzy played for them. Big Mac. 
You end up with Albert. You end up with Edmonds. You've got the the Rolling, big three. Yachty. Like, do you have that now? Who is that guy right now that gets you going out to the ballpark? I think it's Arenado. Oh. No, it's you know, not Richie Palacios no, because he dropped no. on a bunt. No, that is a good one. Mine's Arenado. Like, if I've got one guy I'm going to the ballpark for, it's the offense and the defense and the attitude of Nolan Arenado. That's the guy that puts me in, puts my butts in the seats. I Mine's love. I, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was just right. that was a little too much sucking up to Holly if he's listening at the ballpark right now. Yeah. I was going to say, Goldie, you're my guy. I'm look, Yeah, I'm looking at you, Goldie. Really? Goldie's my I love watching Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> Come on. Ollie, no, I do. He's great no, at everything. Don't. Yes, Listen, I do. Man, hey. Paul Goldschmidt's hey, a great At least I didn't player. say the manager who's 20 games below Ollie, 500. if you're listening in your office Bye. right now, that was BK sucking yeah. up to you. Yeah. We all I like respect you, too, you But I'm not going to suck up to you. I, I, I didn't even see him for half the game Nobody yesterday. I don't know where he was. That about Paul Goldschmidt. I I'm love so, Paul Goldschmidt. I think Paul Goldschmidt. Hey, hey, I can have my answer. Paul Goldschmidt's hey, parents talking, say we I'm, go to the ballpark to watch Nolan Arenado. No, they don't. <laughs> Come on, man. Paul Goldschmidt's what, what great at everything. about watching him standing he's great at first at base? He can, he can pick it at first. He can steal bases. He's a great base runner. Walker should learn from him. Uh, <laughs> he's great at the play, can hit for average, can get on base, and he can slug. You even though that's kind of the He goes silent for a couple of months towards yeah. the end of the season. In all seriousness, you know who my guy was? He's gone now. Shilt? No. no. Come oh. on, man. Skip. Oh, yeah. It was Brendan Donovan. Oh. Well, he's, got, he's getting forever. a bionic arm right yeah. now. He'll be back. He'll be like Winter Soldier. I thought he meant he got traded or something. I thought he was going to say Bader, and I'm like, I literally just said you could get him for nothing. No, he, he was that guy for me as well. But no, it was it was Brendan Donovan. He did all the things that you said about Goldie, but he was more fun. His helmet falls off. Goldie, go deep for me tonight. The Cardinals don't have this guy, and they had the chance to get him with Bryce Harper, and they said, nope, we don't want to do that. Lauder's probably driving to the ballpark now going, man, I wish BK would give me a pep talk instead of quit just ishing on me all the well, time. Well, if he's driving to the ballpark, he's going to be late. Oh, crap. Yeah, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's playing the second today. base today. <laughs> Coming up next, one guy that could become this player for the Cardinals eventually is Wilson Contreras. He claims this is his house now. We'll tell you about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Contreras facing him. He's hit the ball the hardest of all the Cardinals. It hits this one a mile high to left. Soto going back to the warning track. Leaping try, can't get it. A towering home run. Swing, fly ball, well hit center. Grisham back, it's gone. We're tied. Regardless of where we are in the standings, I mean, he's just continuing to compete. And that's just the way he's made. I mean, this guy, he doesn't care about anything but competing. We have several guys in that clubhouse that are very similar, but... His level of uh, being a competitor is pretty high. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. That's what it sounded like last night on Bally Sports Midwest as Wilson Contreras puts together yet another really good performance by the Cardinals, offensively at least. Guys, when you look at what he's done on the offensive side of the ball, he's basically been with the Cardinals what he was with the Cubs. In seven years in Chicago, Wilson Contreras hit 255 with a 114 OPS+. plus. This season with the Cardinals, he's batting 255 with a 115 OPS+. plus. He's been the exact same hitter. Now, 
You can argue defensively you're a little underwhelmed with what he has been so far for the Cardinals. I think that is fair. He has not been as good as the Cardinals had hoped, obviously. Otherwise, they would have never taken him away from his catching duties. And there have been moments where it looks pretty clunky. But this is the player they signed. And now he is hitting the way that we all expected him to. It was a slower start than anticipated, but he looks like the player we hoped he would be. Yesterday, Alex, after the game, there were some comments that he made to the media that were not captured on Valley Sports Midwest, where Uh he said, this is my house now. Like, basically saying, this is where I live. This is where my stuff is. This is, I'm starting to get comfortable. And if you think back to Nolan Arenado's first year in St. Louis, it was not as good as what we've seen since then. If you think back to Paul Goldschmidt's first year here in St. Louis, that was the worst year that we've seen so far from here from him here. I do think there is something to be said about Wilson Contreras. Maybe the bat has translated better for him than it did for those other guys. Maybe the defense is the thing that comes next year. I'm not saying he's going to be great, but can he get closer to average? It's possible that ends up being the case. Do you think there's a way for him to salvage this contract still here in St. Louis, Alex? I absolutely do. And I think a performance like he had last night is trending in that direction. If you finish the career in St. Louis, or let's just say the contract of Wilson Contreras in St. Louis, and this is who you are every season offensively, and let's say you just slightly improve defensively. I don't know how you can be upset about that. You knew he wasn't going to be Yadier Molina, and if you thought he was going to be Yadier Molina, well, then you were sadly mistaken, but you knew the offense was going to be the reason of Wilson Contreras. And I understand the sentiment of a lot of people that says, oh, well, if he becomes more of a DH than a starting catcher, that's a failure. I don't look at it as a failure if his offense is there for you because what you signed him for was, yes, to be a catcher, but also to be that third impact bat. And look at his numbers this season. It's Goldschmidt, it's Arenado, and it's Wilson Contreras. So, yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the opinions on Wilson Contreras in St. Louis are going to be, do you win? But I think the same can be said about Nolan Arenado. I think the same can be said about Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, one got an MVP. Yeah, one was in the MVP conversation. But it's going to be surrounded by winning. But if he yeah. finishes his time in St. Louis with these numbers, I don't know how you look at this and say, yeah, Wilson Contreras was a good signing by the Cardinals. Yeah, I think it can be salvaged without improvement defensively at catcher. I, I think the person that would take more blame if that if that part doesn't improve would just be the front office for a misevaluation of what Wilson Contreras was. But I think if he remains a impact bat and that is – batting fifth or fourth in your lineup that's behind Goldie and Arnado and is contributing at the rate that he has been recently, not the first half of him, but what he is now, then I think you can salvage the contract. I, I think where the misevaluation is is on the front office for thinking he was a catcher and then handing him the contract. But I don't think you can blame Contreras for that. I think that's on the front office. I think Contreras, as long as he hits the way that you we thought he was going to, then I think he can salvage the contract. I think he can actually be a win in terms of the Cardinals' eyes. I think there is a way for the Cardinals to end up actually making this work out better than if they had gone the traditional defensive-minded catcher mindset this past year, and it all comes down to what they do this offseason. They can make their investment in Contreras better by getting better pitchers. Like If you go out there and you acquire Aaron Nola, you know what makes Wilson Contreras look a whole hell of a lot better? Aaron Nola's throwing to him. <laughs> if you go out there and acquire, I don't know, whoever you want as your number two starter, let's say it's Sonny Gray just because he's a recognizable name, right? That makes Wilson Contreras look a lot better than if Jack Flaherty is throwing to him on your second best day of the week, right? If Steven Matz next year is your number five starter, Wilson Contreras suddenly looks a lot better calling whatever pitch it is that he is calling than earlier in the season when you had that parade of bad number five starters that were throwing to him. So I do think that 
it can end up working out better for him. I think the problem for Wilson Contreras this year was that Sean Murphy was available. I think so much of the backlash of Contreras comes back to you could have had him and Sean Murphy's performing absolutely because Sean For Murphy, a good team. Sean Murphy last year, I was very skeptical of it. I would have said I'd rather have Wilson because the offense was better. But Sean Murphy this year has been sensational, and that's part of it. I mean, Sean Murphy's been like a borderline MVP candidate this year, to your point. So he's been excellent. He's doing it for the best team in the National League. And oh, by the way, he's a great defensive-minded catcher as well. So you have the full, well-rounded catcher that was available, and the Cardinals decided, nope, we're not willing to give up the full freight of what that would have taken. We want to go with Wilson Contreras instead. So it's almost guilty by comparison as opposed to like specifically what Wilson Contreras has done. And it's a problem with the way that the Cardinals managed all of this, where they came out a month into his tenure and said, we want anybody else to catch for us right now other than Wilson Contreras. So if they get that back on track, if he has some better pitchers that are throwing to him, I do still think this contract can work for the Cardinals. But they have to admit who he is, and they have to be willing to invest to mask the biggest deficiency that he has in his game, which is his catching. If they can do all of those different things and they have a little bit more of a timeshare next year with Kisner or with Herrera, they can make this thing work. But it takes all of that stuff. All of that has to happen, and then they have to win. And then you can end up having Wilson Contreras... And he can be one of those guys, by the way, that we were talking about in the last segment. When we were talking about Harper, Contreras has some of the stuff that Cardinals fans love. He is super feisty. He will stick up for all of his teammates. If these games start to matter at this time next year and you get into a big series against the Reds and they're talking trash and there's some kind of like benches clearing incident, you know who's going to be right in the middle of all of it? Giovanni Gallegos. <laughs> Have you seen him hop that bullpen fence? God dang it, man. That man doesn't even touch the fence. Stubby clap, too. He'll be oh, there. yeah. Stubby clap's <laughs> taking somebody down. Yeah, Mets versus Cardinals next year. Pete Alonso's on his bull bleep again. Uh, he'll be a brewer. Fair. Even better. Wilson Contreras is going to be right in the middle of all of it. That's going to appeal to Cardinals fans, man. What you saw last night, that was as much emotion as I've seen from Wilson Contreras in a long time. And it's because... He was into the game, and he felt a part of it again. So I'm excited to see what next year looks like for Wilson Contreras. I still think he's going to be here. I think he's your starting catcher, and he offensively now is exactly the player that they signed him to be. Next year, you should have a 2013 offense kind of thing going on. 2013 Cardinals. 2004 offense? No. 2013. 2004. 2013 Cardinals will be the equivalent of the 2024 Cardinals, and both teams will have gone to the World Series. More likely to happen is next. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's more likely to happen? They'll figure it out. PK and Ferrario's most likely to happen. Ryder, <laughs> really, man? Really? Ryder got me on that Come one. Come on, be a pro. Ryder, really? I'm sorry. Ryder got me on that one. I bet that probably sounded as good as some of my ones in the past, though. 314-399-9646 oh. is the Air Comfort Service text line for more likely to happen. <laughs> you give us two scenarios to tell you which one's more likely. Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues, is joining us in about uh. 10 minutes or so. So. Guys, more likely to happen. The Blues trade a defenseman in season, or the Cardinals pay at least $30 million for a starting pitcher. 
Oh, it's more likely the Cardinals pay $30 million or more for a pitcher. Because you need that. And that's what... Uh, maybe Nola's going to be less than that. Maybe they have to raise the price a little bit so that they don't have to go six or seven years with them. But I, I believe the Cardinals are going to pay that money for at least one pitcher. So I'm going to say that's more likely. So I don't know if a pitcher is going to get $30 million Aha, per my year. Loophole. That's the first thought I had. But I will say this. I think it is more likely the Cardinals would still do that, whether it's a classic Mo overpay or um, the market goes higher than we expect. I just find it hard to believe that the Blues are going to be able to trade a defenseman at the deadline. One, if your defensemen are playing well, sure, their value will be up. But I think if the Blues defensemen are playing well, that they're a team that could be competing for the playoffs. What about Marco? I I think he fits into that same conversation to where if they're a team that's competing for the playoffs and they don't want to sell pieces off, Marco Scandella could be a guy that helps out on the penalty kill, play great third pairing for you. People aren't going to like this. I, I think it's more likely if we were to do this scenario, I think it's more likely Marco Scandell is here next year than traded. With a full no trade? or No, full not no a movement. full no trade. I, I think if Marco Scandella has a good year, I could see the Blues going to him and offering him like a Robert Bortuzzo deal. And oh, if you're Marco Scandella, okay. you're I think not. Tyler Tucker's just got that role. Maybe, but you got to have two of those guys. And if you got a penalty kill specialist, oh Bortuzzo's a UFA. Did Mason Wynn just make that play? No, Nolan Arenado. Oh, well, even That's better. the guy you go to the ballpark to watch, man. That's what I said. Tebow's said... over here like, Paul Goldschmidt. Did you see him catch the ball? Look at Goldie's play here. What a run. Oh, oh jeez. Man, it's a routine play by a first. I was gonna man. say the I only Mosker could have made that doesn't one. Make that play is Martinez. Yeah, well, Jose, maybe I, Matt Carpenter. When you when you mentioned Matt Carpenter would have made that one in our last segment where he said he said something about a brawl. You want Contreras and you you immediately went Geo. I almost said Goldie just to see what your guys' reaction would be. Well, remember him running to the <laughs> yeah, puck. It's as yeah. fast as I've seen him run before. So spot rack to answer the question, um, put out their market values today, Alex. For the, the, the free agent these. starters. Oh, this you know this is my fever dream. I thought, by, by the way, I thought we were getting a like massive guest on today. He's like, oh my gosh, oh, 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 T-Bone, T-Bone. I'm like, oh my gosh, who are we getting on air? No, Spot Rack just put out their market values. <laughs> yeah, the, the things we get excited for, I am I right? Hey, welcome to my life. A spreadsheet give it, like, over give it a couple more months. You'll get that excited once your kid goes to bed at 8 o'clock. Uh, dude, I'm there now. Uh, market <laughs> values for the starting pitchers. Number one, Clayton Kershaw, $38 million. Number two, Shohei Otani, $36 million per year. No other pitcher over 25 and a half. So I, I think Aaron Nola is getting about $25 million. I, I think Blake Snell could be the guy that gets closer to 30. Especially if he wins the Cy Young. I don't think that the Cardinals are going to end up in on Blake Snell. So if that ends up being the case, I'm going it's more likely that the Blues end up trading a defenseman at the deadline. And I do think it could be Marco Scandella. I think he makes a lot of sense for a team to acquire for the role that you guys were describing. If I'm a team and I like Jacob Middleton, right? He's been in this role before for a team that is a contender. Hey, let's bring in a guy that can play 14 minutes for us on the third pair, comes in, plays penalty kill minutes for us as well. Scandella could do that. He's got some length, got all the things that people want. I think it's more likely the Blues trade for a defenseman. Alex? More likely to happen, boys. Jordan Cairo scores 45 goals next season. Jordan Walker hits 30 home runs next season. What was, what was the, the first option? Cairo hits 45 or scores 45 goals. Jordan Walker, 30 might be a little lofty. So let's say Jordan Walker, 25 home runs. 25 home runs versus 45 goals. Mm-hmm. I think Jordan Walker, 25 home runs. I think Jordan Walker's going to have a good year next year. We see this a lot where guys come up, they have some struggles in year one, 
And I mean, all things considered, Walker's been an above average hitter this year. This is everything we've seen is what we said going into the season. We wanted to see from Jordan Walker. Show us signs of progress. Show us the ceiling and get better over the course of the season. Uh, Make adjustments to major league pitching. He's been really good. So I'm going to say Jordan Walker. He's got 11 this year in 89 games. 25. He's basically on that pace this year for a 162 game season. So yeah, Jordan Walker. Yeah, I think I'm going to say more like the Jordan Walker because we've seen him make the adjustments, and we'll see. I do believe with him having a full offseason to work on getting the ball in the air more and getting it off the ground, he'll be able to make that adjustment. I do think it is likely, though, that Cairo could get to 45, but that's such a lofty number, and if he starts playing more two-way hockey, it's going to be a little bit tougher for him, so I would say more likely Jordan Walker. Who do you think the last 45 or more goal scorer was for the Blues? Last 45 goal scorer? Was it Brad Boyce? No, he had 43. Damn it. That's always my answer to these trivia questions. Brad Boyce is the last 40 goal scorer. He's like, what's his name on the Cardinals where it's like every length. Was it Hull? It was Hull and Shanahan in 93-94. They scored 52 and 57. You have not had a 45 goal scorer since since 93-94. You haven't had a 40 goal scorer since 2015-2016. I think Kairou gets that. I'm going to say that's more likely to happen. I, I think that's more likely to happen. I, I I agree with JR's sentiment of it's going to be hard for him if he's focusing on both sides of the ice, but I also think that Jordan Cairo is a natural goal scorer, and Jordan Cairo, when he's on the ice, is going to be more fo- focused on scoring goals. t More likely to win six conference games this year, Illinois or Missouri? Conference games? Yeah. Or Missouri, SEC plays eight, don't they? Yeah. All right, well, let's go, let's go five then. I forgot they played because at Big Ten they played nine where real men are built. So let's say six for Illinois, five for Mizzou. Sure. Given the their respective. So Mizzou's tough games this year in the SEC are Tennessee, Georgia, LSU. If you win all of your other games, get the five. I'm going to go with Mizzou because I'm talking myself into this team, guys, and I need help. I need help. Who does in, who does Illinois play in terms of conference this year? So they've their got Penn, Penn State is their first one at home, and that's really their only real tough one. Then they've got at Purdue, home against Nebraska, at Maryland, home against Wisconsin, at Minnesota, home against Indiana. Yeah, their tough at games Iowa. are at Iowa, Wisconsin, at home, and uh, against Penn State. And home against three. tough Northwestern. I think I'm going to lean more Mizzou here, just because it's just, uh, I don't know, Illinois is still like an, a big question mark to me. At least I know for a fact that Mizzou's got this defense at a position that they can shut things down. Illinois, both sides of the ball, you're filling voids of massive playmakers for your team, and so that's why I'd go Mizzou. I would say Illinois just because I think the conference is easier. Here's one that I just kind of thought of speaking of these programs. More likely to feel better about their quarterback situation going into next year. Illinois or Missouri? Their quarterback position? Yeah. Missouri. I would say Missouri. I, I think worst case, like everybody hates Brady Cook. All Mizzou fans seem to. Brady Cook was fine last year, guys. He was not good. I'm not going to sell you that he was great. I'm not. But he was fine. And if he ends up taking a slight step forward this year because his shoulder's actually attached to his body important. as opposed to what it was last year, eh, not so much important. That's that's good. Or you have a guy in Sam Horn who has crazy potential. And if he ends up as your starter this upcoming season, 
you could end up getting some really positive results there. I have no idea what to make of this guy from Ole Miss. No idea. He might be great, but there's just less known commodities. There. I also think having an offensive coordinator from Mizzou helps the quarterback. Totally game agree. And Illinois, again, I have a big question mark on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to expect from Altmaier, but to be fair, I don't know what to really expect from Brady Cook slash Sam Horn. Like, I, I think I think it's more likely that both programs are have a big question mark around QB going into next year, too. Uh, totally fair. Um, it's reasonable to be skeptical of both teams. I think there's also reason for optimism for both fan bases. I got another one for you guys. Okay. Another Blues Gotta get to Chris Kerber, the voice oh, of the Blues, okay. here on well, the other side. I'll save it. Why don't you get to that with Chris Kerber? Sure. The voice of the Blues here on it's 101 ESPN. Question. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by our friend, the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber here on 101 ESPN. Curbs, how you doing today, my man? BK, I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, doing well. Are you feeling like it's officially getting into hockey season now? The weather kind of changed a little bit this week. We've got some of the preview pieces that are coming out. Is it is it getting hockey season-ish for you? Oh, yeah. We had Colton Perico's golf tournament on, on Monday, so I saw Oscar Sundquist and Jordan Cairo. Uh, the big 55 there, Colton, uh, an amazing golf tournament he put on for the second straight year. And then uh, uh, Scotty Perunovich was out there. So, yeah, you, Sky, guys are around. Guys are skating. Is he healthy? Some of the guys that are from other teams are now leaving town to go back to their team. So I think we're close. How'd Sonny look, uh, Curves? Because I'm, uh, I'm getting excited to see an Oscar Sundquist season for this team, especially when you get that on the fourth line. Yeah, give yeah, us some he, injury he updates good. on him and Perunovic. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, both of those guys looked really good. Uh, Oscar said he feels terrific. He's excited to be back in town, and uh, and and so he's looking good. Now you know the style of play that he plays, so you know he's going to get banged up a little bit at some point in time. That's just kind of the, the given with him, but you know he'll give it his all. And you know, Scotty, for listen, guys, I've got to tell you something about Scott Perunovic, Alex. I think it might have been. I think you and I were on the air when the Blues signed him, and we had his coach from Minnesota on. And the head coach talking about the qualities of Scott Perunovich, he talked about his leadership. He talked about his loyalty. He talked about the quality of teammate he was. And, of course, this guy is a Hobie Baker winner, right? So, and, and look, we get it. Not all the time. Does, and for those that don't know, the Hobie Baker, of course, is the, it's the Heisman of, of college hockey. But not every Heisman winner has turned out to be a, a slam-dunk NFL player, and, and, and that does happen with the Hobie Baker as well. But this is the first time Perunovic has really dealt with injuries in his entire career, and they've, they've been some ugly ones for him. So he says he's healthy. He says he's good. He's going to get out there. looks like he, you know, he just wants to be given a chance here. And, you know, the Blues have an interesting scenario, as you guys were talking about defensemen a little early on. I mean, if everybody's healthy, there's nine defensemen. And if they stay healthy through camp, there's nine defensemen. Something's going to have to give in that core. Do they Are they able to find playing time for both Perunovic, Krug, and really Nick Letty on this roster this season, Curbs? Uh, to me, if that happens, we're dealing with some injuries. 
to be honest with you. And, yeah. and I think part of that really is, and I, guys, I'm just going off of, you know, the size factor there. Uh, when I get the sense with Tyler Tucker last year, it was about him growing into the role. They like some of the grit and maybe, you know, and, and they need more of that back there. Robert Bortuzzo just doesn't seem to be the everyday player anymore. So you're going to need some of that back there. I, I think size has been a factor. The Blues have been used to having bigger defensemen. And so, yeah, is it possible? Absolutely. Uh, but then I think as a, as, you know, as a coaching staff or management, they're going to feel undersized in, in, in that situation. Curbs, it seems to me, and you can tell me if you disagree with this, there are four players locked into the top six on this Blues team. Pavel Buchnevich, Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, Braden Chin. Who do you think is most likely to end up on those other two wing spots in your top six? Uh, I, I actually, well, so one of the guys I think is probably a bit of a lock just from, I, I think because he, he's pretty conscientious on both sides of the puck as I'm looking at maybe capping it in there. You know, the, the rest is, is the rest is up for grabs. And, and you've heard me say this before, you know, the blues are going into this season with the same exact question that they had last season. And and that was even when you still had O'Reilly and you still had Barbashev and you still had Tarasenko. And that's who's going to play on the left wing in either your first or your second line consistently. And they auditioned everybody there last year, and nobody really stepped up, took it, grabbed it, and ran with it. So that's a storyline to watch because at some point in time, and, and I, is it this year, is it next year, I don't know. You know, this year being, you know, another one of those potential transition years, if you're looking at it very honestly right now, you know, do, is it still a matter of filling in and then it's, it's sod if neighbors doesn't, you know, you know, gets a little inconsistent, which is still expected. Things along those kind of lines, yeah, you'll see that. But, geez, I would love to see somebody just step up, take it, and go with it. I mean, if look, I, there's anything this organization has given to its young players over the last five years, it's opportunity. And whether they take it or not is up to them. So can I give you the case for Jake Neighbors to be one of those guys? Oh, I, you can absolutely make the case for Jake Neighbors to be one of those guys, but he's got to earn it. Sure. He's got to come in and, he, and he's got to earn it. And and don't forget, like, when... That's the best you know, case scenario for this team, right, Curbs, is that Jake Neighbors ends up in earning that role with the way that we know he plays and he, he creates space for some of those other top six line players? A thousand percent, because the one thing we've seen from Jake Neighbors is his attention to detail. And where I was about to go with that, BK, is you need, like, when you're, when you're in a top six role, your job is to produce. But you are also going against the top players of the other team. Yeah, some teams may try to separate a little bit, but more often than not, first and second lines are just steel Hitchcock's line, beef on bun. You're playing against the best on the other side, so you're going to have to play conscientious hockey on the other side of the puck, and Jake Neighbors can absolutely do that. One more that I'm curious about, Curbs, is the role of a Sammy Blay. It seems like you're going to start the season at least as a fourth liner, but, man, in the offseason when he was playing overseas in the tournament with a line of Jake Neighbors, he still showed his offensive ability. We saw it at the end of the year. Sammy Blay, is he another dark horse for a top-nine role? Well, look, at 27, 28 years old, does he does he finally come into his own consistently? Didn't really get a chance in New York because of the injuries. Clearly took advantage of the opportunity. 
you know, with the St. Louis Blues. And again, I'll just go back to that simple statement. It's going to be up to Sammy. Does he does he have the ability? He's shown it. Does he have some of the the grit to bang? He's shown that too. Uh, it's just, are you consistent night in and night out to where in the key moments of the game against other teams' big players, Craig Berube's got the confidence to put you out there, and that's that's an earned thing. So I think what Sammy did when he came in last year after the trade was fantastic. I think he I think he did everything he could. Now he's got to do that right from the start of training camp this year, and and carry that into this next season. And if he shows that consistency. Not only will the Blues have a terrific player, but Sammy Blake could play himself into a really nice contract at the end of the year. Curbs, we'll get you out of here on this. We appreciate the time, as always. The Blues are up by a goal. It's late in a game. You need a defensive stop. Who is the center that will get those opportunities early in the season? Robert Thomas. And do you think by the end of the season he will continue getting those opportunities? Yeah, I, 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 you know what? When you know when I saw Robert at, at, at Colton's uh, golf tournament, he looked terrific. I think the focus is there. I think the timing, guys. You know what? Like I know we still talk about Robert Thomas as being a young player in the league, and at, at, at the age of twenty-four, yeah, he still is. But you're talking about a guy now that's going to be going into what it was what nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. So you're talking about a guy that's going to be going into what is his sixth season now in the National Hockey League. So I, I think it's time to start talking about Robert Thomas as a veteran um, to me. And so, yeah, I think he's going to be the guy at the beginning. Because he's the guy for the future, he's going to be the guy in the end. You're going to have some growing pains in there. Braden Shen will slide in. I think they'll still put Butchnevich at center a little bit. You know, but uh, those he, he's going to be the guy. And one last, I guess one last thing at center. I, I don't know if he's going to make the club out of camp. But, man, the way they were talking after that prospect thing and talking to Tim Taylor, Tanner Dickinson, Tanner Dickinson could be a guy. Now, I don't expect him up the lineup, but keep an eye on him at center and at camp. And uh, now that he's done with his knee injury and, and stuff, uh, he, I, I wonder how he could impact the, the challenge for playing time or a challenge for a roster spot in camp. But from a high-end center part right now, Robert Thomas is your guy, and uh, and then if, if he's getting beat a little bit, then Braden Shen steps in. Chris Kerber is the voice of the Blues. You'll hear him right here on 101 ESPN all season long as the Blues get their season started with preseason action here in the next three weeks. Kerbs, we appreciate the time as always, man. We'll talk with you again next week. Yeah, can you guys imagine doing your show if another guy named Tanner actually made the Blues? I mean, like, like, like. Tanner, Tanner on your guys' show will go a little bit bonkers on us, won't he? Oh, I'm getting a jersey. Are you kidding me? He goes bonkers over <laughs> the, he goes bonkers over the smallest thing. Curves, you should have heard him this morning oh, after Curves, a freaking bunt last night. Oh yeah. Hey, he's a little ball of energy. It's good for everybody. Yeah. Eh. Just Thanks, not from T Bone. Yeah. Chris right. Gerber. Have a great week, boys. Thank you, you next week. Here on one ESPN. Hey, you can join 101 ESPN. Speaking of balls of energy, we will have a bundle of energy at the Blues and Brews. That is coming up on September 22nd. Blues and Brews Friday evening at the Anheuser-Busch Brewhouse. Get fired up for the Blues season at the Outdoor Street Party featuring live music plus appearances from Blues players, alumni, food trucks, Blues merch, 101 ESPN giveaways, and so much more. It's all at Blues and Brews September 22nd. You can check all information on that at 101 ESPN. 
Com. Coming up next, we got to talk a little bit about Miles Michaelis here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on PK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Stewart's American Mortgage. Google the Bagel Loan, featuring zero fees and zero closing costs. We're all doing better than uh, Miles Michaelis has been today. Two innings, five hits, three earned runs. It's not going well for our guy. And since June 1st, he's gone 91 innings. He's given you the innings that you've been seeking. But he's given up 105 hits and has, a, in this span, a 5.55 ERA. Alex, to finish out the show today, I'd like to spend a little bit of time on Miles Michaelis. Because as much as we talk about what the Cardinals need in their rotation, what they truly need is two guys this offseason that fit in above Miles Michaelis in their rotation going into opening day of next year. And Miles Michaelis may finish the season as your number four next season. That might be necessary. You might get to the deadline and say to yourself, man, we can't go into a game three of a potential wild card series. We have the third best record in the National League with Miles Michaelis on the bump. It's just not something they're comfortable with. That's possible. That's an in-season discussion, though. What you got to do this offseason is make sure this guy doesn't end up starting a game two for you because this version of Michaelis, man, it's not good enough. And they've gone into so many seasons with questions that they decided not to answer and just left it kind of open ended. I don't know what's up with Michaelis. He's not he's never been somebody that missed a whole lot of bats, but now he's getting hit hard. And it's not something that I'm overly concerned about heading into next season. But it's got my attention as to what this is going to look well, like. Especially because at the beginning of the season, this was a little bit of a concern also. He was getting hit hard, and we were like, okay, maybe it's the World Baseball Classic. He settled in. Uh, part of me wonders if he's dealing with an injury. Miles Michaelis is the exact same guy as like a Nolan Arenado that's not even going to say anything. He's going to get through the season, have it taken care of, and then next year he's going to be back to himself. But you're right. Miles Michaelis should not be a number two starter if a team has championship aspirations next year. And that's what I envision this Cardinals team seeing themselves as. So that's why the aggressiveness needs to be at an all-time high so that Miles Michaelis can have that safety net in terms of, hey, if an injury pops up, we'll use you as a number two. But all season long, you're going to be used as a number three because we've got other guys up here. That might be part of the problem. Miles Michaelis feels like he's carrying this entire team on his shoulders on the pitching side of things. Don't let him do that next year. Yeah, and I, I think you what you really need to see from him to finish this year is you need to see somewhat better of a finish because it's a lot different of an offseason if you're saying, and I think the plan's always been, hey, we got to get a one and a two and have Michaelis as a three. Offseason changes a lot if you go into the offseason going, we need to get a one, two, and a three. And Michaelis is the four, Matt's is the five. The whole the whole game plan for the off offseason changes. By that small of a of a decision from the Cardinals front office by going, oh, man, he looks like a four right now. Everything changes for him. You Everything could claim one on waivers him. by tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I, I think this goes back into like what, what it could force you to do because – I mean, as much as we want them to have unlimited resources this offseason, and I'd love them to spend, like spend, 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 totally cool by me, but we know how they operate. They've got a budget, and within that budget, they've got a certain allotment of money that they can spend. And so when I talk about are you willing to give Player X this amount of money, it's not because we don't want to spend their money. Go sign everybody. That's fine by me. 
but it's because we know they're within a specific amount of constraint in terms of their budget. $200 million, let's say, is what they're willing to spend. Well, then you've got like 60 mil this offseason to be able to go out there and offer to players. What they might have to do is go get some of those bounce back candidates that we've been talking about and hope that a Tyler Malley comes back well from injury. If he does, guys, I know people like you hear the name and you don't immediately think superstar. Tyler Malley is a better pitcher than Miles Michaelis at this point in their respective careers when both of them are healthy. So that might be the kind of thing they've got to do because you can get those guys cheaper than you can go get somebody that is a proven number three starter. That's part of the reason why. We, we brought them up earlier. That's why I would have said a Luis Severino if if you can get him because you're talking about a guy who's been injured a lot. You're talking about somebody you might be able to get for $12, 15000000 dollars and has that number two upside, but you're taking that risk. Any of those guys, though, you're right. Get a NOLA, find somebody who's got that two potential, and then from there, you can keep going risks. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Those two have you guys taken care of the rest of this week. I will be back in next Tuesday here on 101 ESPN. So enjoy your break from me. Uh, I'll talk to you guys next week here on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.